This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. We begin with former President Trump in court for opening statements in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud trial against him. That trial comes after the judge ruled that Trump committed fraud by repeatedly inflating the value of some of his properties, exaggerating his net worth by more than $2 billion. Now the trial will decide what additional penalties he could face, with prosecutors asking for a fine of $250 million. Former President Trump is denying all wrongdoing, calling the trial election interference. So very simply put, it's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in this state. You see how she does. This trial was railroaded and fast-tracked. This trial could have been brought years ago, but they waited till I was right in the middle of my campaign. Representative Matt Gates from Florida has formally filed a motion to oust Speaker Kevin McCarthy, this which set up a dramatic vote in the chamber as Congress has just six weeks to avoid a shutdown again. It's Kevin McCarthy who's out there offering deals to Democrats. So if there's a deal made with Democrats, the only deal is is to make one with McCarthy because I'm not offering anything and won't offer anything. And by the way, if the Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy, they can have it. Governor Kathy Hochul confirmed that Charlotte Cena was kidnapped and that her suspected abductor is in custody. It's been a long two days, but tonight our prayers have been answered. Rover, come with relief and gratitude. She noted that Cena appeared to be in good physical shape as she was rescued Monday evening. Hochul said the suspect left a note at Charlotte's parents' house demanding a ransom. Fingerprint analysis led to the man's mother's home, where a SWAT team found Charlotte in a cabinet in Inside a camper. For the first time since May, Late Night is making its return to TV. HBO, the first network to get talk shows up and running again. We've been off air for the last five months due to the writer's strike, which I'm very happy to say is over and even happy to say was successful. So it's been a long time. Let's not ever be apart this long forever. Right? <laughs> Four more hosts will bring their shows back. I missed you guys so much. We are back. Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel, and Stephen Colbert all back on set for their long-awaited return. Live in the Ed Sullivan Theater for the first time in five months. But the comeback comes as Hollywood is still missing some of its biggest stars. While writers are able to return to work, actors are in the midst of an 80-day strike of their own. Sources familiar with the talk say the Actors Union will meet with the AMPTP today. confidence in the guys in the room. I know it's the results haven't shown up. We've you know, we took some pretty bad beatings, um, but you own it. You move on, and a lot of confidence in the players and the coaches.
Well, I'm certainly glad that uh, football giants head coach Brian Dable has confidence in his players and his coaches. That's nice to hear. I'm not sure what he sees out there that would lead anybody to have any confidence. And I didn't start saying this this morning. I mean, in all fairness, you guys are here every day, know him, Lou and Justin, and I said after the first loss. I know it sounds like a knee-jerk reaction, but after that initial 40-0 to loss to Dallas, I said this team stinks. I'm watching them every day. They have nobody, nobody. Who was a threat to an opposing defense on the Giants? Darius Slayton? Stop. Hodgins? Stop. Paris Campbell? Come on. Darren Waller? Really? The kid they drafted from Tennessee, Hyatt, who had one long catch in week two against Arizona, haven't seen him since. And the idea that the Giants are hurting because Saquon Barkley is out. Saquon played week one. They lost by 40 to Dallas. And they showed a stat last night. The Giants without Saquon Barkley scores 17 points a game and amass about 280 yards worth of offense. With Barkley, ready for this? 20 a game and about 325 yards of offense. Three points and 50 yards. Not exactly a huge difference. Point is, with Barkley, without Barkley, this is the least intimidating offense in the NFL. The offensive line sucks. Andrew Thomas, their best lineman, is hurt. I get it, but they suck. And Daniel Jones, and I remember arguing with Andrew Giuliani and a host of others when they gave him all that money, and Pete Morgan. Oh, Sid, you don't get it. Compare him to the other quarterbacks. He's top tier. Please. Again, I know he's got no weapons and a horrible offensive line. He's okay. That's all he is. He's okay. Daniel Jones can't beat you if everything else is not going well. The defense does nothing. This Kayvon Thibodeau, the next Lawrence Taylor, stop with that. So I'm not sure what Brian Dable, what he's confident about. In fact, I want to tell you this. The Giants are one and three. They played 16 quarters of football this season, and 14 of the 16, they've embarrassed themselves. They had two good quarters in the second half in their week two win in Arizona against the Cardinals. The other 12 quarters of football, Dallas, San Francisco, and last night, Seattle, a joke. And you look at the upcoming schedule, this week they go to Miami. Now, Miami was undefeated. They got blown out by the Bills last week. They average about 50 points a week. How's that going to go? When they're done with Miami, they stay inside the AFC East, and they go to Buffalo. Buffalo's won three straight. Josh Allen looks amazing, and they killed the Dolphins last week. When they're done with Buffalo, they come home to play Washington, who's won two games and very nearly beat the Eagles on the road on Sunday. With their exciting young quarterback, Sam Howell. And then they host the Jets. The Jets are 1-3, and three, but significantly better, even with Zach Wilson, than the Giants. So if you're realistic about this, Coach Dayball, your team is going to be 1-7 before they go on the road for three games, three straight road games, at the Raiders, at the Cowboys, at Washington. Bye-bye. The Raiders looks like a winnable game. Maybe they go to 2-7. and seven. But the truth is, there is nothing to be confident about. It's a bad team. 
You're an opposing coach, Pete Carroll, last night, or the guy in Miami this weekend. You tell me who scares you. Look at Miami. They got that wide receiver, Tyreek Hill. You can't stop him. Jalen Waddell, this running back, Achene, the rookie, he's unbelievable. Tua at quarterback, a plethora of weapons. The Giants, they bring nothing. They're an embarrassment. And I hate to say this because I love the Mara family, but maybe it's time that Mara considers selling the team. Because outside of those two improbable Super Bowl wins for Eli, it has been a lot of years of nothing. I walked in this morning and said to Noam, I remember the days before they drafted Phil Sims, George Young drafted Phil, drafted Phil Sims in 1979, those years of Randy Goldstein, Jerry Dean, Joe Pasarczyk. This is about as bad as that. And that was really bad. Really bad. I mean, Noam, you're a lifelong giant man. You, you and uh, Gaby, like me and my Gaby, there's nothing about this team you can watch and go, hey, they're going to turn this thing around. Nothing. I, you know, I've already given up on them, and it's only yeah, four games Yeah, of course in. it's done. Yeah. Of course you've given up on them. They're not going to beat the Dolphins on the road. They're not going to beat no. the Bills on the road. Nope. Now you're one in five. Come on. And again, who out there on this giant offense scares opposing defenses? There's nobody. 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 I mean, Lou, you, you see it too. It's This is embarrassing. What? A disgrace. Yes, thank you. So, anyway, we'll get back to the Giants later on. We started the um, the Open this morning, put together once again. Great job by my executive producer, Justin Ellick, with this Trump story. So if you go to my Instagram account this morning, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, you're going to see a picture of Facebook, too, Sid Rosenberg. You're going to see a picture of me on my deck as the sun was coming down last night, looking canned and angry. I'm sitting there. I had just watched the local news, and for the 15th time, watched my friend, President Trump, walk into a courtroom in Manhattan yesterday. For the life of me, I can't figure out why he's there, why this racist, insufferable Attorney General Letitia James Wakes up every day trying to destroy President Trump. That's what she does. The racist A.G. James, the racist D.A. Alvin Bragg, two horrible people. And when I watched Donald Trump, and I was still on the air, was at the very end of yesterday's show. Literally 10 a.m. yesterday, I'm signing off with Lou, Noam, and Justin. And I was giving you a little bit of play-by-play about my friend Trump walking into court. And the more I watched it throughout the day, I almost wanted to cry. I swear to God. And I say it, calm down. You love Trump. You sound like Bernie. Relax. I almost wanted to cry. Because as you've heard a thousand times on this show, whether you love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump, if you love this country, if you stand for what's right, what's right, what's happening to Trump is a disgrace I'm not sure what's more embarrassing, this attorney general or the Giants last night. And the Giants were really embarrassing. This almost had me in tears. And I must have watched it 20 times yesterday. 20. And to see Letitia James sitting behind Trump in that first row in the courtroom, 
just rooting for his demise made me angrier and angrier as the day went on. I'm not an angry guy. I'm a great guy. Happy, terrific personality, happy to be alive, love my family, my friends, my job. But I am sick. I am absolutely sick over what's happening in New York and in this country. I don't care if you hate Trump. I don't care. That's fine. You're allowed. But to be okay with this, trying to destroy this man, take everything he's got, his buildings, his license, his money, because you don't like him, because he may win the election, is above and beyond. These four indictments, they're bad enough. There's not one. I don't care what the judge says or Durst says. Well, indictment number two, indictment number four. There's not one indictment, not one, that is worthy of going to court. Not one. And yet that pales in comparison to how grotesque what I saw yesterday was. That was a sad, sad day to see Trump in that position. His son, Eric, standing behind him, Alina Haba, to his uh, left, I guess, sitting in court. It was just too much, way too much. And all I'm seeing out of the corner of my eye, like these idiots, Joe and Mika and Willie Geist, John Kelly confirms Trump's military insults. Trump insulted Paul Pelosi. Who gives a rat's ass? Kelly's an asshole, and so is Pelosi. And so are you guys, all three of you. Who cares who Donald Trump insults? All you do every day is insult him. Why is that okay? Here's Donald Trump arriving at civil trial at the court yesterday, talking about the Attorney General Letitia James. And what has become, I know Bill O'Reilly, he's going to join me today. He's usually on Thursdays, but he's going to visit his son in England. Spencer goes to Oxford, so he's coming on today. And his book now has been out a week, Killing the Witches, getting all the way back to the Salem witch trials. But the witch hunt of Donald Trump today may be the worst of all time, and Bill could appreciate that. Bill, Tucker Carlson, all those guys. This may be the greatest witch hunt of all, Donald Trump. This is Trump, Lou Ruffino, cut number one. We have a racist attorney general who's a horror show who ran on the basis that she was going to get Trump before she even knew anything about me. She's right. She's right. He's right. A racist attorney general ran on the promise that she would get him, and she's getting him. This is uh, Donald Trump number two. This trial could have been brought years ago, but they waited till I was right in the middle of my campaign. It's all run by DOJ, which is corrupt. Here, Donald Trump goes on to talk about what I just talked about, what a witch hunt this is, Lewis. Donald Trump, cut number three. It's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in the state. You see how she does? And then, of course, as if the attorney general is not bad enough, you got this judge, like many of these judges in these indictments, that hates him as much as Letitia James does. Here's Donald Trump on the judge, cut number four. We have murders going all over the city. 
city all over the state at a record level in this epidemic, and they waste their time on this with banks that were very happy. They got all their money back. They weren't defrauded. I've been defrauded. With a judge that ruled that a building, that a property is worth $18 billion, $18 million, when in fact it's worth over a billion, probably a billion and a half, it may be worth anything. But many properties which I sold are worth much more than were listed in the financial statement. By double and triple, what do you have to do? And we're wasting our time under this trial. With the Democrat judge from the clubhouses, it's a disgrace. They ought to look for the murderers and the killers that are all over New York killing people and the violent crime that's being committed in our city and our state is disgraceful, and we're going to be here for months with a judge that already made up his mind. It's ridiculous. He's right. They should be out there looking for the violent uh, offenders, murderers, and rapists, and he's right about the judge. He's already made up his mind. So was Letitia James. So it ain't going to be a fair trial. There's no jury here either. The judge is the, the, uh, the jury. He's the judge and the jury. Going to be here for months, as far as I know, Noam, Donald Trump, right back in that same courtroom coming up this morning. Isn't that right? Yeah, the every indication is he'll be there again. Unreal. He took a shot at the uh, Attorney General Letitia James after court was over yesterday. One of the many. This is Donald Trump, Lewis Cut number eight. The Attorney General of this state is a disgrace. Letitia yep. James is a disgrace. She's a disgrace to our country and to the state of New York. She should focus on all of the violent crime and the murders going on in New York, not on somebody that paid back the banks in full without a All right, thank you. So then then here's Letitia James talking after day one of this civil trial again. Donald Trump expected back in that same courtroom coming up later on this morning, talking about how nobody is above the law. I wonder, Tish, if that includes, I don't know, Joe and Hunter Biden. This is Tish James, cut number 10. No matter how much money you think you may have, no one is above the law. And it is my responsibility and my duty and my job to enforce it. Right. Oh, God, is she insufferable. Oh, my God, folks. Sad day. Even you know him. You mean you don't like Trump? Not even a little. But even you would admit that that was pretty sad yesterday. I don't even totally understand what's going on here. It's like he could actually be fined two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yes. And then will his name actually come off Trump yes. Tower if he loses? Yes. That actually will happen. Correct. He will he'll lose all those properties. His name comes off. He will not be allowed to practice in New York. He'll revoke his license. Right now I believe it's revoked temporarily, it'll be gone. And a quarter of a billion dollar fine. That's what he's facing. I was looking for something to compare this to because it seems so mind boggling that his name would come off the building. He wouldn't own it. Who would own it if he didn't own it? And I couldn't find anything that compared. Nothing. No, no there's no precedence for this. This is outrageous. Just completely outrageous. So we're going to do this all day today. But once again, we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day here at WABC. And we're going to have some fun and some positive spots as well with a great guest list. We'll kick it off with the man himself, Mr. WABC, owner and operator and the host of two great shows, Cats and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weekday, Cats Round Cable, 8 a.m. every Sunday, my man John Katz and Matides, Curtis Saliwa, he's great every weekday, he'll be back, his regular spot, 
coming up at about 7.05. My former producer down in Florida, young guy out of Hialeah, Florida, Cuban guy, he's now won four Emmy Awards, Victor Bermudez will join me coming up at 7.40. Geraldo Rivera will be here at 8.10. Bill O'Reilly here on a Tuesday. He's out Thursday. He'll be here at 8.40. We will talk to NYPD Commissioner, the first ever Latino Police Commissioner, Eddie Caban, coming up at 9.10. And former Yankee great Alex Rodriguez coming up at 9.30 on day one of the baseball playoffs. Huge, huge Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. Keep it right here. We're coming right back. WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. It's been a long two days, but tonight our prayers have been answered. We're overcome with relief and gratitude. morning. That was the governor, Kathy Hochul, talking about how they found this little girl, Charlotte Cena. She was abducted from that campground, I guess about an hour north of Albany, and they found her inside the camper. The guy that took her actually went and left a ransom letter at the girl's parents' house, and they got his fingerprints off the letter and raided his mother's home, and that's how they found her. Is that basically the news, No. Yeah, I mean, it's really a great ending to this story because this creep, it seems like, we don't know all the details yet, but it looks like it was a random kidnapping, unless more information comes out to suggest that he knew this girl, but right, nothing no. nothing now yeah. suggests that. No. And so the fact that he left that ransom note, because they 
they weren't really running on anything at that point. But then they had the ransom note. They put it through the fingerprint uh, database. And he had been arrested a number of years ago for DWI. So they knew where he was and they were able to find him. Yeah, she went on a bike ride with her buddies. And the buddies went home. She said, I want to go around the park one more time myself. And that's when she was abducted. Now, they say she looks fine physically. You know, I reached out to Art Sears last night because any time these things happen, I go all the way back years ago when me and Danielle were habitual headline news watchers, and we never, ever missed Nancy Grace. And this was during the Kaylee Casey Anthony years. She did stories on that every night. And then there was another young girl that went missing not long after, Haley Cummings. Now, of course, uh, Anthony wasn't missing. She was dead, but her mother... Uh, the mother the mother got away with that uh, murder. In the end, yeah. In the end, she did. So I reached out to Art because anytime these stories are out there, Nancy Grace is the best in the business. And as soon as I reached out to Art, the news broke. They found the girl. Nancy Grace will still join me coming up at 840 on Thursday because Noah O'Reilly on Thursday, O'Reilly here today at 840. And I love Nancy. So join us at uh, 840 on Thursday. But they said she looks fine physically. You know, the fear is... These little girls get abducted, they get raped and murdered. Clearly she wasn't murdered, thank God. But do we have any idea if anything else happened? Don't know. We don't want to know, of course. Yeah. Traditionally what they do in these situations is they immediately take the person, in this case this nine-year-old, to the hospital to be checked out by doctors. She was, but we don't know anything more than that. They just said that she's fine. That's Okay, good. All right, let's get to Hunter Biden. He's in court today. He's going to be arraigned on these felony gun charges. Well, they embarrassed my dear friend, President Trump, yesterday. And at this point, doing a pretty good job, Letitia James, of destroying an innocent man. Congratulations. Hunter Biden, a real criminal, he'll be in court today. Do you realize this? Listen to this, Lou and um, Justin and Noam. There was a poll taken. I don't know how many people were polled in this, but there was a poll taken, and they asked voters... All these Hunter Biden issues. He's in court today arraigned on a felony gun charge. All these Hunter Biden issues. Will they impact the way you vote in 2024? And you would think at least half would say sure. 72% say no, it will not matter. 72% say we don't care what Hunter Biden does. That's not going to change our vote. How depressing is that? No, I mean, come on. You don't care either. No, no, you, you know care. what it is? Is the Republican? I'm, I'm speaking to one of them. <laughs> the, no, but you know what it, the issue is? The Republicans have done a terrible job of connecting the dots. If there's something here, they have to show us all the information and connect it. Oh, well, you're telling me that that's Jim 100% Palmer clear. and Jim Jordan and Nancy Mace and all these folks no. have done a terrible job. They have. They've done a. Got, what do you know about this? You don't know a whole lot about it. They've started this impeachment proceedings. They say they have clear evidence. Well, they need to show the American people that clear evidence connect the dots for us and then you take that poll later on and people might have you might have a different outcome well that's been my frustration too i keep saying where's that smoking gun where's that deposit slip because you're right they've amassed all this information and bank records and press conferences and yet there is nothing that really really at this point that we know of that ties joe biden to the money and they go well yeah there is well where like you're saying Where's the bank deposit? Where's the cash? Where's the money? Well, it's it's there. 
Well, to your point, Noam, you're right. Where is it? And I guess until we see that, then all this work, all this evidence means nothing. And and mind you, mind you, that these voters, these Democrats are so crazy, I mean this, that even if we do provide that evidence, which we have not, you're right, even if we do, guess what? He's still not as bad as Trump. I don't care if Joe Biden took $5 million from the Russians. I don't care if Joe Biden, not Hunter, Joe took $7 million from the Ukrainians. Their rationale will be, trust me, he's still not as bad as Trump. You disagree with that, No, No, but I think, look, everybody has made a decision on both these guys. If it ends up being Trump versus Biden, you, you're you not going to change anybody's mind. There's a very, very, very small percentage of people who will go one way or the other, and those are the people you have to play to. And uh, that's why you have some Republicans running scared. They think Donald Trump will fail again in a matchup against Joe Biden because those people who hate Donald Trump are not going to change their mind. Fair enough. Uh, big guest is about to come your way. John Katzmatidis, Curtis Sliwa, Victor Bermudez. He's a four-time Emmy Award winner. Geraldo Rivera, Bill O'Reilly, New York Police Commissioner Eddie Caban, and Alex Rodriguez. An unbelievable guest list today. We've got traffic coming up with Joe Nolan as well. But first, it is time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast is from the other side of Midnight Host, my guy Frank Morano. Here Frank talks with Senator Dean Bartley about LaFonso Butler. Do you have any reaction to Governor Newsom appointing LaFonza Butler to the U.S. Senate, Senator? Well, I think he's just fulfilling the promise he made uh, several months ago. He would uh, replace Diane Feinstein with a, a black woman, and that's what he's done. So at least he's being honest uh, that uh, I'm sure he's had some time to uh, do his vetting to see who he really wants to be there, and I hope that she's a, a good choice. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC.
birthday to Gwen Stefani right here. Gwen Stefani. She was the lead singer of No Doubt. And she was married at that point to Gavin Rosdale, the lead singer of Bush. And then, of course, uh, they broke up. And Gwen Stefani, her solo career took off, which includes this, I believe. I'm not sure. And, of course, now she's with Blake Shelton. And Blake Shelton is no longer on The Voice. I do miss him there. Not the same without him. So happy birthday to Gwen Stefani, who I believe was born the same year we walked on the moon. We had Woodstock. And here in New York, not one, not two, but three of our local teams, the Jets, the Knicks, and the Mets, all won championships. 1969. I'm curious, Lou, um, I know Gwen Stefani, not just a popular singer, but um, kind of a sex symbol. A lot of men love her, including Blake Shelton. How old is Gwen Stefani today? She's on The Voice. 54. 54. All right. Gwen Stefani, happy birthday. So talking about happy days, today here at WABC, we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day. And I'm really proud of the guest list we've got coming up. My old producer from Florida, Victor Bermudez, he won, he has won, I should say, four Emmy Awards, four at Telemundo, a kid out of Hialeah. He will join me at 740. We'll talk to Geraldo Rivera. He's coming up at 810. We'll talk to the very first ever Latino NYPD police commissioner, Eddie Caban, coming up at 910, and former New York Yankee great Alex Rodriguez coming up at 930. So we're doing it right on this show this morning. And to kick it off, we've got two great men. One I spoke to last year happens to be the National Director of Public Relations for Goya. Goya is sponsoring our whole day today. That's my friend Rafael Toro and the other, Mr. WABC, the host of both Cats and Cosby and the Cats Roundtable, the great John Katz-Matidis. Rafael, John, good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning, good morning, morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, John, let's start with... Yeah. You're in a great great business, Uh, Goya Foods, uh, one of the largest uh, Hispanic uh, uh, providers of food uh, in in the world. And, uh, you know, I did my statistics this morning. You know that there's 60, what is it, 61 million uh, Hispanics in in the United States, which is like... uh, uh, what is it, 27% of the population? And what a business you got, and it's growing. From 1980, it grew from like 16 million to 61 or 67 million, quadrupled. I'm, I'm sure Gloria Foods has quadrupled too. What, what say you, Raphael? Well, that's, well, first of all, in terms of the Hispanic population, we're the second largest country in terms of Hispanics in the world. And, uh, you know, uh, a thing about Goya Foods is that, uh, you know, we're a worldwide company, but we started right here in New York City in, in, in 1936. And, uh, you know, we consider ourselves to be a, a New York institution, very similar to WABC. Uh, I remember as a kid, uh, going to Jones Beach and listening to Dan Ingram and Cousin Brucie on those transistor radios. And, uh, you know, we're very proud of, of the fact that we're, we're, we're from New York and that we service not only the Hispanic community, but uh, all the residents of, of New York and, and, and beyond. Bob, you're not uh, usually. The other, statistic, the other statistic I didn't know. You ready for this one? 
of the Hispanic mm. population, uh, 61% or 37 million are Mexicans. I didn't know that. Uh, and number two uh, is uh, Puerto Ricans at 6 million. Absolutely. You know, well, you know, we, Hispanic, the Hispanic diaspora is, is, uh, is combined of a lot of different groups from a lot of different countries. Yeah, the Mexicans are the most, but, but in this country you have people from all different countries, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Ecuadorians, Colombians, uh, and they all have different types of food. And, uh, and they all have different, you know, they all, for example, eat beans, but they all eat different types of beans. And uh, the, 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 the palate of the Mexican is, is very different than the, the, the cuisine of the, of the Puerto Rican. And, and one thing that we've been able to do is provide food for all those different types of tastes. You know, when a group comes into this country, we make sure we have the food that they want because they're missing that taste of home. You know, when you go into a new place, you know, you, you want something that reminds you of home. And the first thing is the food. And, and we're very proud of the fact that we're able to provide that food when people come into this country. And in, in New York City, by the way, uh, Puerto Ricans are 29%. Dominicans are 23%. So Puerto Ricans and Dominicans are like 53, 54, 55%. That's a big number. Absolutely. But the Mexican population is growing also as well as is the other populations. Uh, before, uh, there was a time when you would say Latino and Hispanic and Puerto Rican, and it was synonymous. Uh, but that's changed. Uh, you have uh, all different types of groups here. You, you have Mexican population has really grown. Uh, they, had a, they had a Mexican parade uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in Manhattan, and there was thousands and thousands of people out there, and and the Colombian population has grown significantly as uh, significantly as as is the Ecuadorian population, and it just adds to the beauty of New York because you know New York is is uh, is a city of immigrants, and and it's a city of different people coming in and and just making New York a, a very special place. What I'm disappointed in, uh, Rafael, is you know. The uh, Hispanic population in New York, New York City, New York State, has not taken over uh, more uh, higher positions. You know, uh, about 10, 15 years ago, I ran Freddie Farrar's campaign for mayor in New York. Uh, and Freddie was a one good guy. Uh, I mean, the one thing me, me and Freddie always argued about, I called him Freddie. He called himself Fernando. I said, well... When you when you talk to people, talk say Freddie. That's the only thing you argue about. I was glad that uh, Mayor Adams made uh, 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 Mr. Uh, commissioner Edward, Ed Caban commissioner, police commissioner, which is a a, a very high position. Eric Gonzalez is uh, is the DA of uh, uh, Suffolk County uh, of uh, Brooklyn, and uh, the the other thing that I was disappointed in. When they shot down uh, uh, the the judge Hector LaSalle to be one of the highest judges in in New York State, and they shot him down, and he's one and he was one good guy. You, do you know any of them? Yeah, well, you know, thing it, it, that that judge uh, situation was 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 very political, um, and it's a, and it's a process, you know, uh, um, you know, eventually, you know, there, there will be a, a Hispanic mayor. Um, and, and, and things just take time. One of the issues with, with Hispanics is that, that we come from different places. 
um, you know, the, the, the term Hispanic is a, is a term that, that started here in this country. When you go to a place like Colombia, um, there are no Hispanics in Colombia. There are either people who are Colombian or people that are not. Um, uh, in Mexico, there are either people that are Mexican or people that are not. This is a this You're is right. a term that's that this is a term that started here. So sometimes it's difficult for these different groups to 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 get together to coalesce because you know they they come from from different places and also you know it it takes a while for you to to, to become a citizen and then after you become a citizen you have to go out and vote so that's that's a process. Um, Rafael, you know, you're 100 percent right because the uh, they fight amongst each other, instead of acting as the Hispanic population, they, the Puerto Ricans fight with the Dominicans as two different uh, uh, cultures, and uh, they're, they're not together in that. But uh, uh, the other thing I must say, you know, I've been in the supermarket business for uh, over 50 years. Uh, Jesus, how long? 54 years in the supermarket business. And Goya, there used to be a lot of uh, uh, Hispanic, uh, uh, Spanish uh, companies, but Goya always stood out for quality. And, you know, you could you could buy beans, the best beans you could buy in the world are the Goya beans, and the quality between those and other companies was far superior. And, and, and I, you know, and everybody knew that. Yeah. Well, you know, our slogan since the 1950s has been, if it's Goya, it has to be good. Si es Goya, tiene que ser bueno. And what that implies, you know, when you buy a can, you don't know what's in that can of beans. I mean, you're taking, you're, you're, you're assuming that's going to be a quality product. And, and we, what we like, to, we like to tell people is that you buy a product from Goya, you're going to get quality. That's what that slogan means. If it's Goya, it's got to be good. Whatever you buy from Goya, it's going to be a quality product. It may not, it may not be the cheapest product, but it'll always have quality and it'll always have value. That, that's, what we, that's what we sell. And I got to tell you, Robert Unanaway, your CEO, is a good friend of mine, and I'm going to have him on in my 5 o'clock show today. Uh, and he has grown the company. And the joke I tell to, to Robert these days that he's no longer a food guy. He's a uh, media mogul because this movie, I think, has sold over $220 million. So I call Bob Unanaway uh, the media mogul now instead of the food guy. Well, listen, we're very proud of, of The Sound of Freedom. Uh, we, we got involved in that movie as, as an executive producer, and it was languishing uh, – in, in, in Disney, and they weren't doing anything with the movie. And, and, and because of us being able to uh, to get involved in the movie, we were able to get it uh, out of Disney. And, uh, and Angel Studios did a great job of promoting it on, on social media and also word of mouth. And, and they, were, they were happy to selling 2 million tickets. And it is like just exploded, and, and it's a great message, and and that's one of the things that that we got behind because of this movie is that we launched this initiative called Goya Cares, which is about protecting children and making people aware of this whole issue of of human trafficking, which affects kids and affects people all over the country and all over the world. Uh, 
one kid every uh, two kids every 60 seconds are being trafficked and uh, and we've launched these initiatives uh, going working into the schools and and uh, we have goyacares.com and uh, to make to make kids and make parents aware because that's what we want to do we want to keep kids from becoming victims because once you become a victim it's so it's so difficult for them to go from victim to survivor so we want to make them aware and we want to educate kids to look out for those red flags so they don't get in those positions so we go into the schools uh with the center for safety and change here in this area and with the monique birth foundation and we make presentations to kids so that they're aware that these situations exist and exist with all groups in all economic uh, uh, situations, and uh, we, we, we work with them, and, and we try to we reach thousands of kids because we, we don't want kids to become victims. That's our goal, to keep kids from becoming victims. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. That's a great job. Uh, John Katsimatidis, of course, Mr. Red Apple Media, Mr. WABC, comes your way at 5 o'clock today. He said, hello, Bob and Anya on the show. Katz and Cosby, 5 o'clock, 8 a.m., the Katz Roundtable, Sunday mornings. And Rafael Toro, National Director of Public Relations for Goya. Folks, that wraps up our number one. Thank you, John. Thank you, Rafael. Big three hours about to come your way, which includes Victor Bermudez. Geraldo Rivera, the first ever Latino New York Police Commissioner Eddie Caban, and former New York Yankee great Alex Rodriguez. We are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day in a big way on Sitting Friends in the Morning. And of course, the great one, Curtis Sliwa, he starts off our number two. More Gwen Stefani on her 54th birthday. We'll come back, our two with Sitting Friends in the Morning, but if you know them with the news. Everything's going WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Yourself. This is a great song, Chris Cannell, Audio Slave, as we start our number two on this happy Hispanic 
Heritage Day Tuesday on Sitting Friends in the Morning with a huge guest list about to come your way. Four-time Emmy Award winner Victor Bermudez. He was my producer down in Florida. Geraldo Rivera, Bill O'Reilly, Police Commissioner Eddie Caban, and Yankee great Alex Rodriguez all stopping by today. But, of course, we put this time aside every weekday morning for the man. He's just a man, folks. Gets big ratings noon to one, ripping weed every weekday afternoon. The same when he hosts overnights on the weekend. And, of course, arguably does his best work right here at about this time every weekday morning. The icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel Curtis Sliwa. And as we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Day, when I became aware of you for the first time, Curtis, a young, handsome Curtis, now you're an older, handsome Curtis, I think you were with Lisa, and I'm pretty sure she's Hispanic. She Puerto Rican? What is your ex-wife? You couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Part uh, German, part French. Actually uh, lived in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Stop it. Yeah, Bergen County. Went to Lake Forest College outside of Chicago. Uh, No, does not have any Hispanic blood in her. You're kidding. I'm positive. But there, people thought she was a, a female uh, Puerto Rican. That's what I thought. And everyone thought that I was Boricua, that I was Puerto Rican. Right. In fact, I tell you a little side story. Neither one of those are true. No, not true at Neither all. you or Lisa have any Hispanic blood. None. Look, uh, I'm part Italian, as everybody knows. On my mother's side, you would have seen that at the Third Avenue Festival on <laughs> Bay Ridge. They were going, they were going nuts. So before you finish the Lisa story. Yeah. Of the 9 or 10 or 12 or 14 wives you've got, yes. or any of them Hispanic, i got you got one of everything. None. 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 Let me tell you something. Uh, it was bad enough that I was with a Jewish woman for so many years. Now I know why Jewish guys die earlier than their Jewish wives. The old joke is they want to. But when I would go <laughs> clubbing in the Bronx when I was a night manager of Mickey D's early on, Son of Sam, and none of the women would come out to the clubs, and I wasn't going to be dancing with the guys because they were all afraid they were going to get killed. Prior to that, I knew right away, do not mess with the Latina women because their brothers, cousins, nephews, fathers, grandfathers are going to come after you, and that will be your worst regret in your life. You know, you said the same thing to me during the whole Mike Rendino controversy here about Albanian women. You said, uh, in fact, you think they're more dangerous than anybody. Oh, absolutely. Because they get their (laughs) brothers and their fathers. It's a blood feud coming back from the old country. They'll shoot you right in the back of the head. They'll do triple life without parole. It's called an honor killing. An honor killing. You you got to know when you're at a club who you mess with, who you don't mess with. Because there are some women, based on their background there, uh, their their uh, ethnic background. No. It's not them that are going to give you a hard time. No. It's their family, extended family, friends, relatives, people from their country of origin. They're going to bum rush you. So with that said, yes. right now I am picturing in my mind yes. a local Hispanic political giant who you, you have had some doings with and not very good. Have you heard from her family? And I'm talking about, you like to call her all-out crazy, AOC. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America who want to destroy our country. By the way, her name is not AOC, all-out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. When she went to Tarrytown Heights High School, that's not exactly in the Bronx, is it? 
It was Sandra Ocasio. She was like a valley girl, a cheerleader. If you would have said to her, the Bronx, I don't ever go to the Bronx. You think I would even take Metro North through the Bronx in order to get to Grand Central Station? Oh, no. <laughs> so now she plays like she's Jenny on the block. The diva of all divas, Jennifer Lopez, who truly was Bronx, Castle Hill, Preston High School, still all girls, very elite Catholic school in the neck. She also, you don't know this, she went to Baruch. And, in fact, on the list of the ten most famous people to ever go to Baruch College on 22nd and Lexington, I'm number eight, Jennifer Lopez, number one. Hold on a second. I thought it was George Santos on the volleyball team, the NCAA volleyball team. Remember that? George Santos was on the NCAA. Hey, remember, how come... He's, he's another great he's Hispanic. He's a Latino, right? Yeah, we got wait, to celebrate him wait, today. Wait, wait, he's from Brazil. They're not Latinos. Could you tell somebody in the kitchen, they got up a Brazilian flag, right? <laughs> they got up a Haitian flag. I was instructing them yesterday. Hispanic countries, not Haiti, not Brazil, and they're looking at me. I, I could tell our young people do not learn any geography or history in school. Not at all. They had absolutely no idea. I said, well, why are you putting up a Brazilian flag? Yeah. They, they don't speak Spanish. You do understand. They what do they speak? Portuguese. Portuguese. Right, right. And Haiti, they speak Creole, French. a little bit of French, right. but mostly Creole. Right. So I had to actually give all these young huckleberries <laughs> a geography and a history lesson. They're well-intentioned, but I told them, you got to know what flags you're putting up there. It's Hispanic Heritage Day. There are plenty of Hispanic-speaking countries all over the world. But anyway, let's get Does back on. Does that include oh. Miami? I'm just curious. Uh, of course, because yeah. it's populated by mostly oh, Venezuelans. No. Uh, no, Cubans, too. Uh, yeah, but uh, why didn't all the Venezuelans go to Miami? Because that's where you find Venezuelans. We never had Venezuelans up here. No, they're all in Miami. You're right. But uh, South America, well uh, represented down there. In fact... Some of the guys in my business, ESPN, famous guy Dan Levitard, Cuban, Jorge Sedano, now at ESPN, Cuban, Victor Bermudez, my first producer at WQIM, now a four-time Emmy Award winner. He'll join me at 740 Cuban. So when uh, you talk about Hispanics, oh, oh, okay. Miami, even when you go to Miami Airport, there's no English. Uh, it's all Spanish. When you talk about Cubanos, it's like talking about the Irish years ago at a meeting of Jews and Italians. What's the one thing that Jews and Italians universally hated? The Irish. That's what brought Italians and Jews together. They have so much in common. You you could be at a group of all Hispanics sitting there, huge catering hall, right? All you mention are Cubanos. And they say, oh, man, they think they're better than us. Cubans, here they are. They take over everything. They run all the businesses. They're the major people here. There, El Duque, he was a Cuban. How old is El Duque? I think he's about 98 years old who escaped (laughs) from Cuba. But anyway, I digress. And then you have uh, LeVon Hernandez, too. Of course, his brother. He was a brother. Right. They love big match at the time. I think Marco Rubio was Cuban. Oh, you're going off and off. Please, please. Ted Cruz? Isn't Ted Cruz Cuban? Uh, No. No. Ted Cruz is Canadian. Remember, that was a big argument. He was born in Canada. Hey, and remember, his father, his father helped Lee Harvey Oswald assassinate JFK. That was an unfortunate uh, run I read that in the National Enquirer <laughs> this morning. Uh, but anyway, let me get back on track. So it's 1982. I am a pariah, but everyone thinks I'm Puerto Rican. So El Jefe Ramon Velez, who ran the parade, Hunts Point, multi-health uh, group, and also he had been a former city councilman, he invites me up to the annual board meeting. goes, Curtis, 
I know nobody else wants to deal with you. They don't let you in any other parades. We want the guardian angels. And here's Guadriana is in our parade. And you were going to be this year's grand marshal. Wow. And everybody gets up and they start applauding. And I said, uh, I hate to bust your bubble, Ramon Velez, but my last name is not Silva. It's Sliwa. <laughs> I'm part Polish, part Italian. Oh, everybody there was like Red Fox. Oh, you oh. know, they're having a heart attack. So Ramon said, can't you fake it? You know, everybody right. thinks you're Puerto Rican. I, I mean, look, think about this for a second. My dear friend Angelo Vivolo, who I spoke to yesterday. Ah, Angelo, yes. For the third consecutive year, I'll be in a convertible Cadillac. They're actually considering making me one of the grand marshals. They may turn down ten of my Italian buddies, but I'm a Jew, and I'll be at the Columbus Day Parade. So if I can do that, you can. You certainly could have done now, what they is, wanted to do. Is, to is do. that the same uh, convertible uh, red Eldorado Cadillac that... Uh, um, Anthony Centaur and Joey Testa hot fired years ago in Canarsie. That's the same one making the rounds. You're funny. They stole those all the I time. And not did. only that, they would sell it to somebody else. The, the Gabon would buy it. You know, they changed the VIN numbers. It's, it's good. We give you the fake papers. Uh, Patty Testa would give you the fake papers. And then on purpose, they would go and steal the car back and do it all over again while the guy was with his Kumada, right? Yeah. No, At a no-tell uh, motel. We had that in the movie Inside Man, Gemini yes, Lounge. We had one of those scenes but so you didn't do it you didn't do that parade that day. no 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 no, yeah. no. but I, I will be at the christopher columbus parade in fact i think i'm one of the broadcasters for wabc we're figuring out the lineup because oh, you right. know it's in the uh, afternoon yeah. uh, no no not up there with joe piscopo and, right and and Ma- maria bartolomo i think well no it's it's joe it was bartolomo yes but the last couple of years it was also ken rosado and he got fired this year. No, no, I know that. For that nonsense. No, no, For I know. complete nonsense. Well, I should be up there with Joe Piscopo. I could say, hey, where's the Christopher Columbus uh, statue in Newark? What'd they do with that statue, huh, Joe Piscopo? It wasn't, oh, it wasn't who you think took it down. The Italians took it down and they put it in storage. I want that statue out on Staten Island, Staten Italy, right by St. John's Villa Academy, where the grandmothers and mothers will protect that statue against Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Now, that is a great idea. But keeping with the Hispanic heritage theme at the station yes, today, yes, yes, yes. isn't my friend your nemesis, your enemy? He's the Riddler to you. He's the Joker to you. He's the Penguin to you. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams. Yes. Is he not headed to a Latino country the next oh, couple of days? Oh, my God. Oh, why, 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 why? He's, he's, he's <laughs> headed for a vacation. I noticed. No, I'm looking... no, no. He's going to work. It's not a vacation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you ever been to some of these countries? Let me give you a breakdown. I have Guardian Angels in Mexico City. That is a place where nightlife rules. Now, you better roll with your bodyguards because they will kidnap you, take you to a nearby ATM machine, and they will clear out your account. If not, they'll put a bullet in the back of your head. So Mexico City, forget it. He's going to be doing the nightlife. Puebla, he's not going to know what to do. There's no nightlife in the southern point of Mexico near Puebla. But Quito and Ecuador, let me tell you, Sid, you should go. You could actually get a facelift that normally might cost you, you know, about a a few, uh, I'd say about $100,000 down there. $1,500 for a facelift. You know what you get for a neck lift? $1,500. You know, you brought that story up, and you may remember just a couple of months ago, there were four American people. Yes. 
I think it was Mexico who went there for that cheap plastic yeah, surgery. Yeah, but they, they, this they is got Quito. They kidnapped and they killed two I know, of them. That, that's the border towns. I'm talking about Quito and Ecuador. Oh. So many Americans go there for dental procedures. A colonoscopy, which you love, $250. <laughs> and they'll give you an endoscopy together where they put it through your mouth and uh, your back, your yeah. Hershey Highway. Yes. And they'll meet in the middle of your body. $500. You can't go better than that. That's why Americans go to Quito. They got nice life there but the last place bogota they won't even let our secret service agents go to bogota anymore more have been fired because they hook up with hookers and cocaine and they get bounced from the secret service so he's going to finish off his trip in the capital of nightlife in South America with more hookers for the high-end rollers and more cocaine than any other country in the Western Hemisphere. That is not a working uh, tour. That is what I call a nightlife vacation. Oh, I got to tell you, it sounds to me like you're jealous you're not the mayor going on this trip. No, I would never go on a trip. In the middle of a crisis, I'm going to go on a trip. Are you kidding? Well, so if you were the mayor yes. and you had uh, some type of conference in Greece or Israel or this case, South America, all these places that Eric has gone to the last couple of months. You're telling me you would never leave. You'd never leave. Why would I want to leave? Well, you have things to do outside the city. Are you kidding? All those people are here in New York City. <laughs> if I want to go to Greece, I go to Astoria, right? If I want to go to Colombia, I go down to Corona, Elmer's. We got all those places here. And by the way, I would be going into all these shelters, these no-tell motels, holiday inns without the express, up to the 40% of the illegals who are Venezuelan and say, show me your papers. Because they're making fake Venezuelan papers now on Roosevelt Avenue between 74th and Roosevelt and Junction Boulevard. They're printing them up as if it was a Gutenberg printing <laughs> press there. All fake papers. That's what I said a couple of weeks ago when they allowed these work permits for Venezuelans. I said, what's going to stop the rest of these Hispanics from acting as if they were? Well, first of all, how do you know they're Venezuelans? You have no idea. All they say is, asylum seeker, asylum seeker. <laughs> or you look Venezuelan. Venezuelan. Oh, you speak Spanish. You must be Venezuelan. Put them on a bus. Catholic charities pay for them with federal tax dollars and then bring them to New York. But tonight, oh, we're going to miss you, Sid Rosenberg. Well, what's tonight? It's another mother of all rallies because that man that you knew years ago, back on August 7th, Justin Brandon, liar of all liars in the city council. Oh, I never voted to defund the police. Yes, you did. Oh, I wasn't for no cash bail. Yes, you were. And remember on this station what he said on August 7th? Curtis Lee, comes on, talks about my district, talks about something that's just not true. It's just not true. That he, he gets on the radio and says the mayor and I are planning to turn Sherwood Park into a migrant tent city. Absolutely false. But this is what demagogues do in times of crisis. What the hell is a demagogue? I mean, that's a $5 word. But anyway, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it is true. City Hall and the missing in action mayor who wants to spend his time in Central and South America not dealing with this crisis is going to be putting a tent right there in Bay Ridge, as I said two months ago. Justin Brandon called me a liar. Come on, Justin, come to the rally tonight at John Paul Jones Cannonball Park. Remember John Paul Jones? We have just begun to fight 101st between 4th Avenue and Fort Hamilton Parkway underneath the shadow of the Verrazano Bridge. It is a rally. No migrant shelters in Bay Ridge. Justin Brennan, you can stick that where the sun don't shine. 
you liar. And I might be a dumb, 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 whatever, what do you call me, a Democrat? I don't even know what the hell that means. But whatever you call me, I accept it because I told the truth and you, like all politicians, lie, lie, lie. Trust the people. Come on out tonight, ladies and gentlemen, to John Paul Jones Park, and we will show these politicians we are the shot callers because they run away like Eric Adams in time of crisis. out to Monica Allen, producer at Newsmax. Good kid. Celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday to you on this Sitting Friends in the Morning Hispanic Heritage Day. Big day on the program. Big guest about to stop by. Geraldo will be here. Bill O'Reilly. Bill's usually here on Thursday mornings, but he's going to make a trip to see his son Spencer. So Bill's going to stop by this morning at 840. We'll also talk to the first ever Latino New York police commissioner, the current man, Eddie Caban, coming up, and former Yankee great Alex Rodriguez, all stopping by today. It's a big, big show here on Hispanic Heritage Day. And I'm still angry from the first segment. May not sound like it, but I am, again, watching my friend President Trump walk into court yesterday. The embarrassment that that was. You know, I just saw something on the news that said that There's a good chance that Trump's legal team and Donald and his kids, certain parts, will be here through Christmas. I know he's going back to court this morning, Donald, but did you see that, Noam, that there's a possibility, if not a probability, that this legal team and Trump on days could be here till Christmas? Yeah. I I don't believe that'll happen, but there was some movement 
that favored the Trump family yesterday. The judge was questioning some of the evidence that was from 2011 and said, hey, you need to show me some more recent evidence. By the statute of limitations this. Yeah, on that. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Um, that was, there was a, that was the only favorable moment, by the way, but at least there was one for the Trump family there yesterday. Yeah, but he still hates his judge. I mean, let, let's, he, uh, talks, he will play this cut. Cut number four, where Trump says, basically, regardless of what you just said, which is true, that could be a good thing for Trump. Trump says the judge made up his mind already. This is Donald Trump Lewis, cut number four. We have murders going all over the city, all over the state, at a record level. It's an epidemic, and they waste their time on this with banks that were very happy. They got all their money back. They weren't defrauded. I've been defrauded. With a judge that ruled that a building... That a property is worth $18 billion, $18 million, when in fact it's worth over a billion, probably a billion and a half, it may be worth anything. But many properties which I sold are worth much more than were listed in the financial statement. By double and triple, what do you have to do? And we're wasting our time on this trial with a Democrat judge from the clubhouses. It's a disgrace. They ought to look for the murderers and the killers that are all over New York killing people and the violent crime that's being committed in our city and our state is disgraceful and we're going to be here for months with a judge that already made up his mind. It's ridiculous. He sounds pissed, huh? He looked pissed. I was giving you the play-by-play at the end of yesterday's show when he walked in, blue tie, blue jacket, and you look pissed. I mean... You're used to Trump, even in the most difficult moments, trying to make uh, some lighthearted joke. There were no jokes yesterday. No. This is bad. So, between Trump, my friend, that happening yesterday, and then my football season is over, stop it. I don't care that the head coach, Brian Dable, has confidence in his players, his coaches. The Giants suck. And I didn't wait Till today to say that, I saw very early on, even a training camp when I was there one day, but certainly after the 40-point loss to Dallas week one, I saw very early on, the Giants have no weapons. I mean, none. Do you think opposing defenses are scared of Darius Slayton or Paris Campbell or Hodgins or Waller? Heck, they showed a stat last night. I mentioned this earlier. When Saquon Barkley is on the field, the difference in points for the Giants goes from 17 to 20. Not much. The difference in yardage goes from 275 to 325. Not much. Truth is, Saquon was out there week one, and they lost by 40 to Dallas. So the idea that Saquon is the savior coming back is ridiculous. He's a very good player. Very good. And he certainly makes this team better. But they've got a horrible offensive line. All banged up to begin with. A somewhat overrated, certainly overpaid quarterback. And I've said that since they did the deal last year. And zero weapons on the outside. Zero. And they got to go to Miami this week. The Dolphins score points in their sleep. And after that, take on the hottest team in football. Even though they've lost the game, not the Eagles, not the 49ers. And that's Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So you're one in five easily. Then you got to beat Washington and the Jets. So the truth is, you're one in seven before you go to Vegas and possibly beat the Raiders. Season over. Giants 
suck. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oh, yeah. Estefan, the Miami Sound Machine, with him going to get you as we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Day on Sid and Friends in the morning. Some huge guests about to come your way. Geraldo Rivera, the first ever Latino New York Police Commissioner, Eddie Caban, former New York Yankee great Alex Rodriguez, and Bill O'Reilly stopping by today instead of Thursday. But talking about Miami Sound Machine, we go down to Miami. This guy's been on, uh, I think, once or twice before. I think he won his fourth Emmy Award over the summer, and I put him on. He was my producer way back one, uh, when I should say, at 560 WQIM in Miami. His name is Victor Bermudez, and he has gone on, like I said, to win four Emmy Awards. I always get confused. I'm not sure if it's Telemundo or Univision. That's probably a hate crime, but uh, it's one of those. So here he is, my former producer, Turned Emmy Award winner on this Hispanic Heritage Day, Victor Bermudez. Good morning, Victor. Good morning, Sid. It's Telemundo Deportes. I'm on Telemundo Sports. I appreciate the invite. Before we get into everything, um, we normally text uh, often, but it's always work-related. And the last time we spoke, I know Ava was going through any, some things, so I just want to make sure she's okay because we're always caught up in, in texting, but it's always work-related and um she means a whole lot to me. So does Danielle and Gabe. Just want to make Aww. sure she's okay. Thank you. She's great. She's back in Europe in Wales. Actually nice. had her first day of classes yesterday, second year of three, studying law in Europe. So she's doing great, Victor. Thanks for asking. You know, yeah. Danielle, Ava, and Gabe love you, too. And you were, listen, yeah, that's part of it all. you were, were always loyal to me. You were great to me. I went through some very, very hard times. I got fired eventually in a very embarrassing situation, but... You never let my side, never. And I remember one time, more than one time, but you're Cuban, right, Victor? You're, you're Cuban, right? Yep, my parents are Cuban. Uh, came here, obviously, from Cuba because of the circumstances. Um, a proud proud Cuban-American. Um, appreciate what, what this country has done for me, the opportunities it's given me, but recognize it's all because of my upbringing and, and the hard work that my father instilled in me. Uh, but, yeah, proud Cuban-American. So you also grew up in a place called Hialeah, Florida. And I remember before I got to know you very well, one time I called you a Puerto Rican. 
and you yeah, threaten to kill me. You're like, you don't get it, man. You don't do that. You don't call Puerto Ricans Mexicans. You don't call Cubans Puerto Ricans. Where I come from, like all of a sudden, Hialeah is the hood. Where I come from, Hialeah, we kill you for stuff like that. But you were serious, right? Dead serious. And, and it is the hood. That's Alec Rodriguez. Oh, Alec like yeah. He likes to call Kendall the hood. Um, <laughs> as, as I'm sitting in a gym in Kendall, I better be quiet. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Kendall is nothing compared to Hialeah. Hialeah, we pride, pride ourselves on. It's literally um, – and, and the heights, if they're listening to you, they can relate to this. It's Agua Fango y Factoria, which is water uh, literally out the mud. We pride ourselves. That, that's a cute cliche that a lot of folks like to say, you know, we come from the mud, out the mud. No, we literally are – from the mud and surrounded by factories because it's all we have. So it's, you're looking for a way to get out. Um, we have similar friends in, in common. George Sedano was raised, born in, in New York, but raised in, in Hialeah, Levitard as well. Um, so it's, you know, how, how are we going to get out of this mud? How are, or, and it's hard work that, that gets you out of there. There's nothing else. Either that or you stay stuck. And you've actually had amazing success since uh, I left and, you went on again. You're my producer, and you book great guests, and you were great on the air. We had some great conversations: Miami Hurricane football, baseball, A Rod, all that stuff. But you went yeah. over to uh, Telemundo, and now you've won four Victor four Emmy awards. What are they for? All these awards? Uh, Olympics. We had the 2016 Rio Olympics and the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, two World Cups. Uh, one. Numerous over seven tele awards for the Sunday Night Football, Kentucky Derby, Preakness, um, which, which that, that was you and I. A lot of that, those Gulfstream um, horse races that I had no desire to be a part of or, or care for. Um, I learned a thing or two along the way. So um, extremely appreciative for, for our time together. Um, everything you taught me, Sid, you, you gave me my first shot on radio when nobody believed in me. Um, when I was trying to portray to be someone I'm not. Uh, you sat me down and, and told me, why don't I get this guy that's off air, on air? Um, and you made me comfortable in my own skin when in this business, a lot of people try to turn you into what they think um, is a successful recipe. And, and you just wanted to be myself. And, and you, you taught me it was okay to be who I was and embrace where I came from. Um, proud Cuban American from Hialeah. And, and I'll never forget that because I immediately relaxed and became myself. And what you heard off air is what I went with on air. It didn't always work. We had we received numerous phone calls. Even your, your late great um Harvey would, would tell me, you know, or, or ask you, like, what are you doing? Why is he on air? He's just not ready. Um, but you believed for some reason. You you believed before anyone did, and I'm I'll, I'll never forget that. Wow. I owe you tons. Wow, Every time yeah. I, I sent you pictures and screenshots of, of the awards and, and what I achieved, because um it's I I'll, I'll, you said it. I'm loyal and and my loyalties are to you because of what, what you did for me. I've never oh, forgotten you. that. So whenever you, you call, I'll make myself available and, and just thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for well, me. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of all the kids. You know, uh, you were my producer uh, at one point. Jason Taylor, Hall of Fame football player, Miami Dolphins, asked me to do him a favor and employ his sister, Joy. She's gone on to become yeah. a huge star working alongside Colin Coward, now has her own show on Fox Sports. Um, and I know there's a bunch of other folks, Amber Wilson, Chris I Olivero. I don't know if you remember, MJ Acosta was our intern at one point. Yes. She's on NFL Network right now. She that, is? Another proud, she's a, another proud Dominican. Yeah, she's on Total Access every night. And wow. she came through our – I mean, we had we had a really good 
successful group of... Well, you, you, men, you mentioned George there. Sedano. He's a big star now at ESPN. He's Cuban, yeah. and he was an intern for me and Scott Kaplan back in the uh, late 1990s. So all you kids started with me, but one thing I did say to you, and you did it great, was, and I say this to Justin sometimes, he'll do sports, he'll change his voice. I'm like, don't do that. Just be authentic. Be you. Yeah. I used to yell at Mark Malusis at WFAN, stop trying to be Mike Francesa. Just be you. Because you're going to come to find, Victor, when you're you, that's good enough for four Emmy Awards. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was you. It was you who, who, who taught me that early on. And, and, and you don't live with any regrets because it's you. It's, as you said, it's authentic. This is who I am. It's taken a long time. I, I didn't arrive at Telemundo and have immediate success. It took about seven years to, to get to, to where I'm at, to get the, the respect I deserve um, and, and be given the opportunity that I have. I, I line produce Sunday Night Football. Every week now um, during the NFL season, um, obviously in, in Spanish, so we're, we're the, the sister station for NBC Sports, and we do that. Uh, we'll, we'll have the this weekend's game, 49ers and Dallas Cowboys on Telemundo. Uh, have your, your Giants. By the way, you went, I, I agree with you. Your season's over. Your offensive line sucks. <laughs> Shut up. And, God. And, You're and doing great be, up until this point, Sunday. Vic. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be on Sunday Night Football two weeks from now when they take on my Buffalo Bills. Um, and you guys are going to annihilate it up in Buffalo. And no, we're going to get killed. No, it's going to be horrible. You know who else I gave a shot to? And, and I see him on TV. He does a local version of Inside the NFL here on the CW. Channing Crowder. He's become a big yeah. star. I also gave him his first shot. And he says that, too. I'll never forget. Remember the radio row, um, not the Indianapolis one. That one we don't want to speak about. That's the one, the one where, you, where you punch me in the face and I walked around with a black eye for a week? You punched <laughs> me first. You punch me first. You always leave that part out. No, I, I, I kind of bitch slapped you, and then you came across with like a Mike Tyson right with that big nasty Hialeah ring on there and bleeding for like four days. <laughs> yeah, don't bitch slap me. Why would you do that? <laughs> What'd you expect? <laughs> One thing about you, you're funny, is you were always ready to fight. And I don't know if that's because, again, you know, your Cuban descent and your family went through an awful lot of being serious. Or if it was growing up on the really the mean streets of Hialeah. But you're a wonderful guy. you got a huge heart, beautiful wife, great kids. But you were always ready to fight. What was that all about? Well, I had my jaw broken at 18 years of age. So, yeah, after that, anybody who just invaded personal space, they were going to catch it. Oh, my God. You know, how many times you said to me, don't invade my personal space? That's hilarious. What happened when you were 18? Why did somebody break your jaw? What did you do? I was at the wrong place, wrong time. I was confused for someone else. I tried to talk my way out of a fight, um, and I ended up with a broken jaw. So moving forward, I said, I'm never going to speak again. I'm just going to throw my hands, and <laughs> that's what I do now. That's what you do now. So on this Hispanic Heritage Day, you talked about your proud upbringing, Cuban boy in Hialeah, and how that's gone for you again. Now a huge success. Got to wrap it up, Victor Bermudez. What do you want to say to the folks about this specific day where we celebrate great people like you? hard work that's all it is but you know get to it and and go to work because a lot of it you know is being at the right place right time i met sid rosenberg and, and that was maybe that was luck but if it wasn't for putting in the work with sid he wouldn't have given me the opportunities that that he gave me and then amounted to tv success um go to work go to work don't make any excuses that's the one thing my, my father passed on to me um never went on vacations i'm not saying don't take time for your family and take vacations but I don't believe in calling out for sick days because the moment you stop working, someone else is willing to come and do the work for you. And everybody is replaceable. But when I'm replaced, you're going to regret it. So 
get to work. And, and you instilled that in, in, that in me, Sid. We, we never took days off. No. MLK wasn't a holiday. We, it was more of a celebration. Um, July 4th wasn't, you know, a holiday. It was a celebration. Let, let's remind folks what, what July 4th is. And that's what it was. We didn't take sick days. We didn't take vacation days. We rarely went on vacation. Um, and, I'm, again, I'm not saying don't do that. You know, you, you need time with your family. But hard work pays off. And I think, you know, that that's been lost on folks. Uh, don't be afraid to, to do internships. Don't be afraid to go the extra mile. Um, I pride myself on I don't get tired. I don't. And neither do you. We, we would be texting at three in the morning and, and for a midday show. And it's like, who do we have today? And nothing's ever good enough. And, you know, that that does suck at times because you, you you immediately receive an award and you're like, how do I top this? How do I go for five? You know, you, you, you break ratings records and they're like, well, then now the pressure's on. Now I need to do 10 million. Now right. I need to do 15 million. Right. Now, yeah. you know, yep. 27.2 on Sunday night. How do we get to 36? Um, so it's it's stressful at times, but um, I hope it's all worth it. And, and I know for me it is because I remember what it was like growing up in Hialeah. I remember what it was filling up, you know, my mom having to fill up half my, my cup of milk with water just to get enough ounces. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not, not at all. You know, I know what it's like to put water in cereal. And I just don't want to go back there. And my, mm. I, I, my kids will not live that way. They won't. And it's hard work that's going to be able to provide for my family. It's not, um, not going to be luck and it's not looking out for handouts. So the one thing I, I learned the hard way was come here and go to work. And that, that's what that's my message, and, and that's, I think, what, what you passed on to me as well. That's a great message. I still don't take time off. I still text people at 3 o'clock in the morning. Nothing's changed. I mean, I haven't, you haven't produced for me in probably 10 to 12 to 15 years, and it's still the sure. same. But I am immensely proud of you. Not of the four Emmy Awards. That's great, terrific. But I'm proud of the man, of the man you become. I really am. You were a kid when you came to work with me, and you've turned out to be such an impressive man that anybody who knows you, I know this because I speak to people, are very, very proud. So happy Hispanic Heritage Day, Victor. Continued success. I'll always love you. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate the time. My man, Victor Bermudez, four-time Emmy Award winner, and he kicks off this Hispanic Heritage Day. We really kicked it off with Rafael Toro and John Katsimatidis in the 6 o'clock hour. we got a bunch of more impressive folks to come, including Geraldo Rivera, Eddie Caban, the New York Police Commissioner, and Alex Rodriguez. Keep it right here, hour three on Hispanic Heritage Day, sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Classic song right here. I believe today is Benjamin Orr's birthday. And he's singing this song, Drive. But he did a uh, solo song, which I always make Lou play. The name of it is Stay the Night. And I like that song. But this is a classic drive. How old is uh, Benjamin Orr today, Louis? This is the day he died. Oh, my God. It's his heavenly birthday. My... Okay. How old was, uh, do you know how old he was when he actually passed away? He was 53. 53. Benjamin Orr. Okay. Thank you, Lewis. All right. Great two hours so far. My old producer down in Miami, WQAM, Victor Bermudez, now four-time Emmy Award winner. He joined us today, John Katzmatidis and Rafael Toro from Goya Foods. And, of course, Curtis, we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day. And set to join me later on this morning includes not just Bill O'Reilly, but Yankee great Alex Rodriguez. He'll be here at 930. And the very first ever Latino New York police commissioner, he's become a good friend of mine, Eddie Caban, will be here too. But my next guest is a legend, no doubt about it. He was uh, a mainstay on Fox News for many years One of the most recognizable media personalities, not just here, but in the history of this country. Really, he's that big. He's my dear friend, Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo, good morning, buddy. How are you? Morning, Sid. How you doing, buddy? Thank you for having me. It's always great having you, especially a day like today. And it's kind of obligatory and lame. I get it, this question. But, Geraldo, what does Hispanic Heritage Day mean to you? Well, you know, my dad came as, uh, you know, as an immigrant, although, of course, Puerto Ricans are citizens of the United States. He came in 1940. He was one of uh, 17 children, uh, Cruz Rivera from Bayamón, Puerto Rico. He was the first of that guy, that huge flock to come to New York, first to be bilingual, uh, uh, first to graduate high school. Uh, he, uh, he was uh, one of my, obviously, one of my, my heroes. I love my dad. Uh, the rest of the family, many of them then emigrated, uh, most of the South Bronx, but uh, now scattered to the four winds. Many uh, live suburban lives in Connecticut or Long Island. Uh, but, uh, you know, New York is uh, is the core of the Rivera clan, and I'm proud to, to be with you today. You know, you mentioned immigrants, and, of course, we're going through this migrant crisis. I call it illegals. You can call it whatever you want. Migrants, asylum seekers, whatever you want. I don't care. I had the mayor, Eric Adams, on this show for 30 minutes on Thursday. We're finally, we're good friends. But it got testy, to say the least, because there's a lot of things I'm unhappy about. And he is, too, mind you, but he can't express how he really feels. Trust me. Geraldo, what are your thoughts on how New York is doing, how the country is doing with this whole process? I think, uh, Sid, that President Biden, who I like, has failed utterly. In stop, the stop right there. Well, what do you like about him? He's corrupt. He's a criminal. He's a doddering uh, fool. Uh, I, I don't share that harsh Why not? view of him. So you think it's I okay think to take money? A, you think you think it's okay to take Democrat? Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, yeah. a fool. He is not. Yeah, uh, he, he's not a fool. You think it's okay to take money from other countries? Uh, and, he, and he gets he gets portrayed as this uh, this blithering uh, you know uh, 
senile old Wait, man. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. He, he's, hold, a lot, he's a lot sharper. Hold on, hold on. What, what, do you, hold on. what do you mean I, he gets portrayed? Islamic Heritage Day. I know, but what do you mean? Islamic Heritage Day. I, I know, but... About Biden. I, I, I but, told you my opinion. You have your opinion. Yeah, but hold on. But how can you say he gets portrayed that way? Don't you want to talk about the migrants? No, I want to finish this. I want to finish this. You say he gets portrayed that way when he's addressing people that are dead, when he calls his own cabinet members by the wrong name, Forgetting about all the corruption scandals and him and his son and his brother taking money from all these countries, which you may not believe, but certainly there's a plethora of evidence out there, more than there is on Donald Trump. How can you say that he's portrayed that way? All they're doing, Geraldo, is playing video of the man doing it. You, you just said that there's not evidence linking him yet, and then you went on to... No, uh, I said there is. I said this. Everything he... He is alleged to have. Done I said there is. I said there's more evidence you know, uh, than Trump. I think, let, let me ask you this: Do you think yeah. Republicans would be in favor of almost anybody in this country buying a gun, buying a gun in a in a legal state who was uh, someone who was abusing drugs? Would you, as a Second Amendment advocate, mm-hmm. be in favor of people, anyone who uses drugs, getting a, a gun? Of course Would you not. you be in favor of that person getting a gun? No, of course not. And yet, and yet uh, the NRA and, and all these other organizations, uh, they don't want any restrictions. They, now there's a case in the Supreme Court where they want people accused of domestic violence to be able to get guns. My point is that, uh, you know, if it wasn't Hunter Biden, I think most advocates of the Second Amendment would say, uh, you know, uh, it depends on whether the person is stoned or whether they can pass the test and all the rest of it. I think that uh, he's being treated very unfairly by uh, by many in, in media. But I listen. I'm not. I'm not for Biden. I never voted for Biden. I'm a Republican. I just. I tell you, I like the guy. I like the guy. Uh, you know, uh, he is. I, I like Eric Adams. I think Eric Adams is a great, a great mayor. He's the right mayor for this time. Crime is down. You, uh, Eddie Caban. I'm so glad that you and he are striking up a relationship. We need. Uh, you know, one third of New York is Latino and to finally have, uh, you know, a citywide, uh, uh, you know, commissioner who's a Latino. That's it's it's great. You know, I grew up. I went to Brooklyn Law School. I went to Brooklyn Law School because Herman Badillo uh, went to Brooklyn Law School. He was Bronx Borough president at first uh, Latino to be Bronx Borough president. Then, uh, you know, I, I, I backed uh, Herman as he uh, he went on and became the first. Puerto Rican elected to the Congress of the United States. And I, I walked 30 Puerto Rican Day parades with Herman Badillo and watched the crowd swell to over a million, two million people, the biggest parade in New York City. And, uh, and, and now have watched as, uh, as the Latino community has gone from just being Puerto Ricans and the Dominicans came and, uh, and the Mexicans. And now you have almost three million people of Latino descent. Uh, in in New York, and I'm very proud of them. Many of them shop owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, their children went on to great colleges. Uh, uh, you know, is a it's a mature community, breathe life into neighborhoods. Uh, whole towns in New Jersey, Passaic, Patterson, and so forth, have now become uh, you know mostly Latino, brought, brought back to life by the Latino immigrants. And now you have the situation where Biden has failed utterly because. Compassion is not policy. And when he opened the door by signaling that uh, the harshness under President Trump would not be his approach, he, he, President Biden, is responsible for that tidal wave that is washing over our southern border right now, sir.
That is fair. Uh, Hispanic Heritage Day. This is Geraldo Rivera joining us, the great Geraldo Rivera. It's funny, last time, and I love you. You know, I do. I love you. I disagree with some of your points. That's okay. Who cares? Um, but you're a Republican, but, you I know. I feel the same, and I'm so proud of how you've done, Sid. Thank you. And how you came from Florida, and you, you picked yourself off the canvas, and you went in there fighting, and now look at the success. Uh, that you can thank you. He's in O'Reilly everybody. Well, and by the way, you, you, you were you were a part of that because when I was down in Florida struggling, you and Marty Berman, you put me on your show on eight fifty WFTL down in Fort Lauderdale, Joyce Kaufman, and you were you were a major part of why I'm back up here. So thank you for that. But what's funny is you're a Republican. You're on this station. This station, for the most part, loves Donald Trump, which is not good for you. Uh, and they are Republicans and conservatives. And when you come on, and by the way, Geraldo, I would wear this as a badge of honor. I'm not knocking you. When you come on, I get 100 messages. Man, I love him. And 100. Why do you put that guy on? He's delusional. He's full of crap. I know you know that, but I always get a kick out of it. I would wear that, Geraldo, as a badge of honor. Well, right now I consider myself a Chris Christie Republican. I, I like his attitude. I like his feistiness. I like his record as U.S. attorney and as governor, uh, you know, a, a Republican governor in a, in a very blue Democratic state, two terms, very successful. Uh, now he's not uh, gaining the traction I think he should. But uh, listen, I, I feel terrible for Donald Trump. I was friends with Donald Trump for over 40 years. And I, I feel that uh, a lot of these prosecutions against him are really persecutions. The one that's going on today about the valuation of the real estate, I think, is really, really lame. Uh, you know, when you when you are allegedly inflate your real estate, everybody pays real estate tax that owns property. You pay real estate tax based on the value of your property. So if you overvalue your property, that means you're paying more in real estate tax. So uh, what, what's, what's, the, what's the crime there? Uh, you know, puffing. Every real estate person we've ever known puffs. Uh, you know, the, it, and for Letitia James, who I've known forever, to go after him with the viciousness that she has, it's, uh, uh, you know, so unfair. I feel, I feel badly for him. I don't think he helps himself yelling at the judge and ranking out the judge. Uh, uh, but uh, all this case, the Mar-a-Lago, the documents case, total lame case. Stormy Daniels, you'd never see that case if it was just some Wall Street guy rather than the uh, former president with the, you know, with the alleged hooker porn star, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I think a, a lot of a lot of uh, his trouble now is very subjective. I wish that uh, he'd be pardoned for all of it. Uh, you know, January 6th is the only thing that matters. That's where he really screwed up. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm shocked by how many people – Put January 6th aside and uh, forgive him for that uh, and go on as if nothing happens. I'm one of them, uh, and I'll tell you why. Because if you look at the summer of 2020, and you're a smart guy and a very observant guy, if you look at the summer of 2020, what happened in any one of our major cities, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Los Angeles, you name it, those are real insurrections. People showed up with weapons. They burned down police stations. They beat up innocent people in the street. Where Donald Trump screwed up on January 6th, and I was critical, was that he sat around with his thumb up his ass way too long to stop it. But to say that January 6th was worse than any given night in Portland or Seattle or Chicago during the summer of 2020 is a very biased approach. Well, I, I agree with you on 90% of that. The difference being January 6th was an assault 
on the Capitol, the heart and soul of the government of the United States. And the target was the electoral process and the constitutional order. And I think it, and he, and he was rightfully indicted for it. Uh, it, that indictment he could have been convicted of, but he was acquitted by the Senate. So I think that uh, to go finish my other thought about all the other lame cases against them, indictment is the process by which we prosecute uh, an office holder, and the penalty is you're barred from ever running again. But the Senate, in its wisdom, acquitted him. I disagreed with the acquittal, but they acquitted him. So I suggest that most of Trump's problems, legal and constitutional, are in the past. I still do not believe he's qualified to run for office because of what he did and what happened. But I think that he should not be prosecuted, persecuted in any of these lame cases. They're very ad hominem. They're out to get him, and they hate him. They said they were going to get him, Letitia James. Uh, That was her campaign slogan. And now I hate to see what he and the family are going through. It's really, it's painful. It's not fair. Uh, and I, I hope that, uh, you know, the judge yesterday gave him a favorable ruling on a lot of these uh, financial shenanigans alleged are are expired by the statute of limitations. Eighty percent of them, according to Trump, are, are now by the wayside. So maybe he'll, uh, you know, a favorable uh, resolution of this case. And he'll be in court again today, I hear. He may be in court till December. Who knows? But, yes, he's back in court today. Yeah. I, I want to wrap up this great conversation. And, again, thank you for coming by. You know I love you. Uh, and it's a big uh, day. Same here, Sid. Same thank here. You. I'm pleased to be with you. Thank you. I want to wrap it up where we started. Uh, the story about your dad. My dad was my hero, too. He's gone three years. Uh, and how he was one of 17 children, how you migrated here from Puerto Rico, your family. I love all that stuff. But as a little boy, Puerto Rican little boy, mind you, was there somebody, Geraldo, that you looked up to? Maybe a professional baseball player, maybe a politician, maybe a performer. Was there somebody from your descent that you looked up to? When I uh, when we started this conversation, I mentioned how my hero was Herman Badillo. You have to understand that I went, I came back from uh, University of Arizona. I started the Maritime College in the Bronx. Then I went, actually started in uh, uh, community college in Brooklyn. Then I went to Maritime College in the Bronx, graduated from the University of Arizona. Came back in 66 from uh, California, where I'd been living after I graduated. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got, I got back, and everyone's telling me about this guy, Herman Badillo, a Bronx borough president. It was a huge deal when Badillo became uh, elected borough president of the Bronx. Bronx the Bronx was already a Latino uh, borough, but uh, he was the first office holder. He, he he, he uh, you know, uh, prevailed over the uh, the existing Democratic. Then when he became a congressman, I cannot describe how proud of Herman Badillo, the congressman, my father was. Mm. So here's Badillo. He graduates number one in his class in Brooklyn Law School. Uh, he becomes a CPA at the same time he's in law school. And then he becomes, uh, you know, a politician and goes on and, and and uh, you know, becomes a congressman, and and was running for mayor, and was very competitive. And uh, he, uh, you know, I campaigned for him. Sadly, he did not prevail. But uh, the dream, of course, was a Puerto Rican president. Uh, you know, that's a. It seems now we have no, as far as I know, I don't know any citywide Puerto Rican except for Commissioner Caban. Uh, 
to help me out if there are, you know, uh, in the in city government in New York, are there any citywide Puerto Ricans? I, I don't know that there are. I don't. There's no none that I can point to uh, quickly. But I mean, you have uh, uh, Velasquez, uh, uh, the congresswoman in the in the Bronx. She's yeah. she's good too, Nidia. Well, Geraldo, it's great to have you stop by this morning. Enjoy this day, and uh, let's do this again very, very soon. I miss you on TV, so I'm glad to get you here. Thank you so much. Okay, Sid, my pleasure. Thank You're the man. That's the great Geraldo Rivera. I love Geraldo. He um, he has his own opinions. I think he delivers them well. I don't agree with Geraldo some of the time, but he's a sm- I like to listen to smart people. Even if you disagree, I like to listen to smart people. And I've dubbed Gerardo smart, so you may not, but this is my show. So. <laughs> He's smart. Well, he actually handled it. Uh, he handled your questions well. I mean, you were hard on hard on him in the beginning there. Well, he said, this is Hispanic heritage. Now you can't be yelling at me about Biden. I remember that on Rosh Hashanah when Danielle yells at me. Exactly. <laughs> I got a lot more to come. Bill O'Reilly stopping by on a Tuesday. How exciting is that? He'll be here in about, I don't know, 10 minutes. And next hour, New York Police Commissioner and A-Rod. Keep it right here. Hispanic Heritage Day with me, Sid Rosenberg. Nothing's wrong. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. And now, sit in friends in the morning presents. How does Sid Rosenberg make you feel? Here's former President Trump on how Sid makes him feel. Hello, Sid. It's Donald Trump. I want to tell you, you know I think you're the greatest. You're the absolute greatest. You're the greatest talk show host in America right now. And I'm really happy when I come on. Thank you for having me, Sid. You know I think you're great. You're one of the greatest, Sid. That's all I can tell tell you right now. And I know I want to let you know, and the listeners, we're going to fix this country. we got a lot of problems. We've got a lot, a lot of stupid people running the country. But we're going to fix it. we got a lot to do. And I'm going to fix it when I get back in office. And I just want to tell you, you make me feel feel great and i love you sid this is donald trump bye-bye this has been how does sid rosenberg make you feel on sid and friends in the morning 77 wabc Something else, man. He died in that helicopter crash. So sad. But when it comes to music, not just music, actually, a lot of things, 
Lou Rafino's opinion matters to me more than just about anybody. And Lou Rafino said something to me this morning about Stevie Ray Vaughan, which was over-the-top complimentary. And what was that, Lewis? I think he's the best musician I've ever seen live. The best musician you've... I mean, that's saying a lot. Lou, you've been around some of the all-time greats. You've, I mean, seriously. You used to hang out with the band and all those guys. Oh, did you say live or, or just best musician you've ever seen? Not that I've ever seen. Perform, yeah. Where did you he... see him perform last? You remember? Oh, well, he's dead a long time the now. Oh, the pier? Yes. Twice. Yeah, that sucked. I mean, how many famous musicians died in plane crashes, helicopter crashes? I mean, you got this guy, you got Buddy Holly, you got the Big Bopper, you got John Denver, right? You got uh, Patsy Cline, I Oh, think. Patsy Cline, too, you're right. Jim Croce. Jim Croce. Wow. The, the Leonard Skinnerd. Oh, yeah. Didn't Reba McIntyre's whole band die once? She didn't go on the plane, but the whole band died, I think. I don't don't know. I think so. Anyway, if I'm a musician, I'm not flying anywhere. <laughs> I wouldn't get in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Well, I wouldn't get in a helicopter anyway. No. Yeah, I, I had a, I was talking to Danielle the other day, and Danielle celebrated a birthday last week. Ironically, it was the day after Killing the Witches came out. Bill O'Reilly said to join me next. She said, you remember when you told me way back when you were going to take me to Atlantic City in a helicopter for my birthday? I said, I do remember, yeah. She said, well, it never happened. I said, well, do you remember we went to Hawaii and we went to Atlantic City since the Hard Rock, and I refused to go into a helicopter with you and Ava? And she said, yes. I said, well, somewhere along the way, I know I was trying to be nice, but somewhere along the way, I came to the realization that I don't want to die in a helicopter. So that's why I didn't do it. And she didn't like my response. Huh? There was some, I forgot the comedian, uh, 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 Quaid, who was in the Fireman show. What was that? Was Is he related to Randy and Dennis Quaid? And, and, um, yeah. Is he one of the brothers? I don't, I don't know if he's one of the brothers. He, he died too? Oh, Dennis Leary. Sorry. Oh, wait, Dennis Leary didn't die. No, no, no. He oh. made a joke. He oh. used to make a joke about how do we lose people like Stevie Ray Vaughan and we can't get Michael Bolton up in a damn helicopter. Funny, though. Sorry, I relate. <laughs> he actually had a great show on uh, TV, on cable, Rescue Me. You remember that show he played a firefighter? That's the one I was just bringing up. Yeah, oh, that said, was from that show. Yeah. Because he's a stand-up comic. Well, he did, maybe... Yeah, he didn't do it in the show. Oh, he did I gotcha. it as He is from his stand-up. Gotcha. You know, while he was smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just... How do we can't get damn Michael Bolton up in one of these helicopters? I mean, that's funny. I don't know. People get upset about stuff like that. Well, you so left what? right away, so that's <laughs> no, a lot a, about you. It was hilarious. Of course it was hilarious. I could add a bunch more names to it besides <laughs> Michael Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> I think ahead of Michael Bolton. And really make it funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, your friend Geraldo, Noam Laden, he called himself, quote, a Chris Christie Republican. What exactly is that? A Chris Christie Republican? <laughs> yeah. He goes, I'm a Chris Christie Republican. Okay, well, what does that mean exactly? Well, Chris Christie's the guy that's bashing Donald Trump, right? Yeah. So he Yeah, but then the very obviously. next sentence, he goes on and talks about how badly he feels for Donald Trump. Yeah, well, I think he's saying that there's select persecutions that he think are, thinks are wrong. Right. And so he thinks that one, this civil fraud trial, is wrong, though clearly other ones he thinks they should go forward with. 
And you can appreciate that because you feel the same exact way. <laughs> <laughs> you are a Geraldo Republican Democrat. <laughs> Geraldo Rivera, I should say, Democrat. So, All right, listen, we got uh, three great guests in a row coming up. Really excited about this. Again, Bill O'Reilly is set to travel, going to so- go see his son, Spencer. So he's usually Seven on spring. Thursdays How- at 840. He will join me coming up momentarily. Tuesday at 8.40. Then we're going to talk to the first ever Latino New York police commissioner, my new friend Eddie Caban. And then we're going to talk to a great Hispanic baseball player, Yankee great Alex Rodriguez, coming up at 9.30. So O'Reilly, Caban, and A-Rod all coming up. 77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. So my man Bill O'Reilly is usually on on Thursdays, but he's going to go see his kid Spencer. So he's kind enough to hop on today. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best, whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights here on WABC or his own website, BillOReilly.com. Great articles, great interviews, great TV. The Killing Series, Killing the Witches sold um, an unbelievable amount of books. I gave you the exact figures on Monday. I gave the amount of books he sold day one for Killing the Witches, which came out on the 26th, and the millions and millions of viewers who watched him and Tucker Carlson on X last week as well. we got a big show coming up together October the 27th in Huntington, Long Island at the Paramount Theater. He's the best in the business. Final line, the greatest ever, my friend Bill O'Reilly. Bill, good morning, buddy. How are you? I got a headache from Geraldo. You did, didn't you? I know you did. I know no, you no. did. Look, Harold and I have been friends for, uh, I think, since the War of 1812, really a long time. <laughs> but but here's the deal with Geraldo, and, and you can put Chris Cuomo in this, uh, in this category, too. It's all about theory for them. It's all about emotion. So theoretical, uh, oh, so-and-so's doing this, so-and-so's doing that, and, you know, and I'm the exact opposite. So if anybody wants a really uh, fun morning, Google O'Reilly Geraldo Illegal Immigrants. There was a time uh, on uh, O'Reilly Factor where he came on, and it was almost a brawl, physical brawl. And my contention was that if a foreign national comes into this country legally or illegally and is convicted of a crime, that's it. They get sent back forever. That makes sense to everybody. You're a guest in our country doing you a favor by allowing you to come in here, and you commit a crime, even DUI, because you could kill somebody if you're drunk behind the wheel. You're convicted. You're deported. Oh, he couldn't do that. No, no, no. Oh, it was it was. And I cited time after time after time after time where these things have happened, and the person didn't get punished. Um, So. I'm a realistic guy. I don't care about Republican, Democrat, or anything like that. I just want to solve problems, whereas a lot of times my debate partners, they live in the world of theory. They live in a world of emotion. It makes them feel good to save certain things. And, um, you know, so that's the difference between Rivera and O'Reilly. I mean, you got him. He starts off with this Biden thing. And I've seen video after video of Biden falling upstairs, Biden falling downstairs, trying to talk to dead people, forgetting people's names. And for him to say this is the way he's, quote, unquote, portrayed, what is he talking about? Those are those are actual videos. I don't I can't 
get into his mind on, on that specific case, but people believe what they want to believe. See, I, I always go back. You said I'm, I'm going over uh, Wednesday night to uh, visit my son who's studying at Oxford. And the reason I'm going is because I want to see how my money is being spent. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but I drum it into my children that there comes a point where you just smile and wave because people believe what they want to believe. And no matter how many facts you have, no matter how many times you have Joe Biden falling down the stairs, okay, if people don't want to believe that this affects his job, they're not going to believe it. And Americans don't really understand that. Uh, they, they think that on Thanksgiving, when Uncle Simon comes over, you can convince Uncle Simon of something. <laughs> you can't. No, I know. I know. I know. Uh, and I don't try to anymore. Look, I, no, I don't either. Yeah. It, it, I make a joke out of it because yeah. I don't think it's worth it. Unless no. a person is malevolent, a, a bad person, then I'll just you know verbally go in and carve them up. But if they're, you know, well-meaning and they're, you know, harmless, I just make a joke out of it. Right. Um, right. And that's the way to handle it for everybody so you don't get, you know, family angst and one person at the other person's <laughs> One thing that he did talk about with Trump, though, and he's a guy that uh, claims a lot. Of, it's funny. All these guys claim that Trump's friend. I'm, I'm Trump's friend for 30 years and 40 years. And in the meantime, I'm, I've been watching the Roman Empire on Netflix with Danielle. It's long. It's, it's, it's like a thousand hours of TV. And ironically, last night we watched the part where Brute put the knife, uh, Brutus put the knife in Julius Caesar's back. Right. You know, and, um, and here's Geraldo. I'm his friend for 40 years. But it is interesting that even Geraldo, who's quick to blame Trump on January 6th, even he said, I feel badly for what I'm seeing with Trump yesterday. Yeah, and his family. But, but Geraldo is down with not, allowing Trump to run because of January 6th. And and that and so I'm saying to yourself, well look, you got a special prosecutor appointed. He looked at January 6th. If he could have indicted Trump on any kind of encouragement of the riot, he would have. Right, there was no incitement charge there. None. Right. Right, not nothing at all. No uh conspiracy, no collusion, no incitement. That's it. There's nothing else. So this guy who can't stand Donald Trump, who's trying to bring him down, if he won't indict on January 6th charges, then those charges don't exist. But, again, you present that, and then they go, well, what about, you know, I saw a guy on the lawn, and he <laughs> said Trump sent me. Uh, okay. You know, Come you on. Right. So – you know, in this world, you know, I'm here for two reasons. Number one, to try to tell the truth to everybody, and you don't have to agree with me. I mean, I'm not expecting that. Um, but when I say something, it's based on fact. And number two, to explain to people that, you know, we're all Americans, but some Americans are simply nuts. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. They're just crazy. Perfect. And there's nothing yeah. you can do about that. Yeah, but nuts, I can almost deal with nuts. Show me a guy, you know, talking to himself on the street. I, I can deal with that guy. I, I can't deal with people who are nuts and angry, agenda-driven, biased. People like Merrick Garland, Letitia James, Alvin Bragg. They're nuts. Oh, they're nuts. So but they are angry. People. You know, then, then that's where I draw the line. So those people, I'll go after them uh, in a way that I want to expose them. So these are people who are harming other people. 
Um, my question is, I was on uh, Cosby and Katz yesterday, um, and my question to them is, Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, is supposed to be protecting me in her office, that the charges that she lodges against people are supposed to protect the citizens of New York. That's why we have the law. The law protects the public. What are you protecting me against on Donald Trump's real estate? Well, she told you. She told you yesterday. What she's protecting you against is if you think, and of course I'm being sarcastic, but I'm being serious too, if you think, Bill O'Reilly, that because you have a lot of money, you can do and or say whatever you want, I'm here to tell you, not in my state. Wait a minute. I mean, everybody can say whatever they want. This is the First Amendment. But you must have a victim in a crime. Now, that's why they're in civil court, because there's no victim here. But if no bank complains, if all the uh, borrowing was paid back and everybody made money, well, what are you protecting me Not against? Made money. Bill, do you realize that Deutsche Bank made over $200 million in interest alone from Donald Trump? Look. You can do that all day long because Trump fulfilled his obligations, his business obligations, and the bank, before it lends anyone money, assesses the property itself. It's not like you sit in O'Reilly can walk in and say, hey, uh, we'd like $5 million, but we're not going to tell you where the property is. We'll buy it, but we're not telling you where it is. You can't go look at it. You know, I mean, my God. So when you break it down... The civil servants that we elect are in business to protect us and to enhance our lives. How does this do that? Well, it How? just does. it doesn't. Though the answer no, is it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Right. And it, and it, look, you can you can indict anybody in this country. Anybody can be indicted. You can find a way. And it's just and now they spend millions of dollars on this. You realize that the New York taxpayer has to pay all the court costs for this and all the investigative costs and everything for this. For what? So you can kick Trump out of New York and fine him? I mean, it's just, look, I'm not Trump's lawyer. I'm not trying to tell you what he did and didn't do. I don't know. But I'm trying, I'm, from a New York standpoint, I'm going, I, I don't feel threatened by Donald Trump. <laughs> Because he's got a big tower on Fifth Avenue, and he says it's 30,000 feet when it's 15,000 feet. That's not really affecting me, all right? It's not. I'm not camping out in his condo. So when you just – and that's let's get back to when you boil it down to that, and then you say, you know, we got buku problems here that Letitia James needs to start to solve, uh, and, and you're – in the front row and on watching Trump and hoping you can hang him like the witches because Trump's right. And I want, I told uh, Trump's guy, I said, can, whenever he says, witch hunt, can he hold up my book, <laughs> killing the witches? Can he just do that? Well, it's funny you say that because my friend, Eric Ulrich, who was indicted recently here in New York, he walked into court a couple of weeks ago yeah, with killing Jesus, killing Jesus. Right. But, but, uh, I want to go to the book here for a second because I know you were on last week talking about it when the book came out on the 26th. 
And it's a fascinating, fascinating book. Back to the Salem Witch Trials. Bring it to today, whether it's Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump. We've got a bevy of examples of witch hunts uh, going on today. All this stuff about the exorcist, which when you talk, told me about that, my eyes, they were literally, Bill O'Reilly, popping out of my head. This book, I don't know if you knew it at the time. I know you're a smart guy or a genius. But this book couldn't come at a better time, right? That's why I wrote it, because the witch hunt is back. And when you see what happened in Salem in 1692, when 20 human beings were executed on accusations made by 12-year-old girls with no proof, there was couldn't possibly be any proof, okay? And then you see that, that that happened here, and then you go up to today when every accusation is front-page news against famous people, but even people who aren't famous. We tell the story about the 25-year-old teacher in Northern Virginia. Some student uh, complained she was inappropriate. They arrest her. She gets fired from her job. Two weeks later, they drop the charges, but her life's ruined. Whole life is ruined. This is witch hunt, all right? This is cancel culture. And it's running wild because there's nobody, there are a few of us, but not many, who are pointing out that this can destroy the fabric of a society. In Salem, there were decent people, but if you said, hey, you can't be hanging people because a 12-year-old went into a fit, you would be accused of being a witch the next day. If you go up against the progressive left and you call them out, they're coming for you through their media matters and their other uh, social media, they know, boom, 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 boom. And so it's really dangerous, and it can hit anybody. And people should know that because we got to reverse this or we're not going to have a country. Agreed. So well said. Listen, uh, have a wonderful, safe trip. Spencer is a wonderful young man. He really is. I love him. And uh, you guys have a great relationship, so enjoy England. You can scream over the pond to my daughter, Ava in Wales, and say hello. And All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And I just want one more thing. I am trying to get an exorcist for the Giants and the Jets. <laughs> All right. I, it's we, depressing. Football season's already over, Bill. I mean, think about that. It's already no, but over. We need, to get, we need to get the holy water in the locker room, <laughs> the Latin prayers, yeah. Yep. we got to get all of that in there it's because true. it's just crazy. Terrible. Have a great trip. I love you, Bill. We'll do it again next week. Thank you. We're great today. Thank you so much. Guy said we'll see you at the show in Huntington on the 27th of October. Can't wait. The Paramount Theater, folks. New York State of Mind. Bill O'Reilly invited me. How surreal and how wonderful. Bill, have a great trip. I love you. Eddie Caban and Alex Rodriguez. Huge 9 o'clock hour about to come your way.
Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, Seventy-seven WABC listeners, join us on October the twentieth at seventy-seven WABC and Ramsey Mazda back to blue with special programming all day. We do this every year, all day, I should say. We uh, thank police officers everywhere, and we thank you for your honor and dedication as you protect and serve all of us. Download the seventy-seven WABC app. Listen all day coming up Friday, October the twentieth. It's this year's annual Back the Blue. This is Hispanic Heritage Day here on WABC, and we're celebrating Hispanics all day. We've had some great guests today, including my former producer, four-time Emmy Award winner, Victor Bermudez, and Geraldo Rivera. Got A-Rod coming up next. My next guest is a very impressive young man, the very first ever Latino police commissioner. He and I become uh, very friendly, and I'm very proud of him. He is New York Police Commissioner Eddie Caban. Eddie, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? I'm well. Uh, thank you for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. You know, it's funny. I just mentioned A-Rod is coming up next. And a little birdie told me that, you know, back in the late 1990s, you were assigned to Yankee Stadium when Joe Torre won those four World Series. Isn't that right? Yes, I was. It's probably the best times of my career, Sid. Even uh, as police commissioner, you would admit that winning those World Series with the Yanks was the best time, right? Absolutely. You know, and... You know, we look at the Yankees and their dynasty, so many years of winning. And the same could be true for New Yorkers. Like, New Yorkers expect a winning formula, and they expect the same thing from their police department. And we're here to deliver, Sid. Well, talk to me about this. I mean, your father, of course, he was a retired uh, first-grade detective. He fought for equality, for representation. Your father was a, a great man, Eddie. And here you are, 32 years, street cop, like we just talked about at Yankee Stadium, and now you're the chief, you're the man, the commissioner in charge. What does it mean to be the first one as we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Day? It's extremely important to me. I'm very proud to look at my career, 32 years. In my wildest dreams, I never thought I'd go from being a beat cop to the top cop. And you have to acknowledge that I'm only here because of those who paved the way before me. Like my father, who was a trailblazer in my eyes. He mentioned he was a retired first-grade detective. He actually fought for equality. He wanted to make sure there was representation in the police department for Hispanics. And now you look at the fruits of his labor, and here I am today. There are over 14,000 Hispanic members of the NYPD. Wow. Many of them are top leadership roles. So altogether, you know, we're writing the next chapter of the NYPD. And your family is from Puerto Rico. Is that right, Eddie? Yes, that's correct. I was talking to Geraldo an hour ago, He and he's Puerto Rican, too. He's like, oh, I'm so happy you're friends with Eddie. He's another proud Puerto Rican. So uh, Geraldo uh, did mention you about an hour ago. But, look, you know, you were given the, the very daunting task of trying to improve crime. I, I did love Keyshawn Sewell. I loved her. I did. But I was very happy you got the game because, as you know, I'm a big fan of yours personally and professionally. I think you're the right man for the job. And I know the new crime numbers are coming out. I believe they're coming out today. They're not even public yet. And they seem to look pretty good. Isn't that true, Eddie? Yeah, so if you look back to January 2022, 
when Mayor Adams' administration took office. Crime was up, rampant in New York City. Now, 20 months later, our department's taken over 5,000 legal guns off this street. This year alone, since January 2022, we've taken over 12,000 illegal guns off our street. And since the beginning of the summer, we continue to drive down violence, drive down crime. And as you mentioned, this week, we're giving out our crime numbers for the week. And I'll be the first to tell you, Sid, we're down 23% in murders, down over 30% in shooting incidents. For the whole summer, we have over 1,000 fewer index crimes compared to last year. And that's real progress. And, you know, since we're on the air, I'd just like to give a shout-out to the men and women of the NYPD who do such an amazing job. I want to thank them for that. No, oh, I love you guys, too. I do. And, you know, look, you guys come under a lot of fire. I know uh, Eric was on this show, the mayor, last Thursday. We had a pretty intense 30-minute conversation. And then we had the rain the next day, and they blamed you, and they blamed Eric because you didn't act fast enough, and you didn't close the schools fast enough. And, you know, look, I, I do believe, Eddie, certain times – Criticism is warranted. It's okay. That's part of your job. You know that. But every now and then, people get really carried away. I know you know that already. You've only been in that job for about two months, but you've already witnessed it, right? People people come at you very, very quickly. Sometimes it's just not fair. You know, but I can sit here and tell you Sid, that, like I mentioned, the men and women are doing a great job. And we don't do anything alone. We do it with our partners, our federal, state, city partners. And that's collectively. I think, you know, you look at how we've transformed New York City. And we're not taking a victory lap by any means. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. But I do believe we're headed in the right direction. Well, I know the perception, uh, Commissioner Eddie Caban here uh, on Hispanic uh, Heritage Day, the perception is that the subways are a mess. They're as bad as ever. Uh, you can't take the train. Now, look, I, I take the train every day. I do see some unsavory things, Eddie. I'm not going to lie to you. I do. I see some guys masturbating. I see, you know, crazy people talking to themselves. But I take two trains every day to go to the ferry, every day, and I've never had any violent uh, altercations. Never. I know millions and millions of people take the train every day, and most days there's reported maybe four or five crimes. So do you think there's a major difference between perception and reality when it comes to transit crimes? Yes, and, you know, we all hear stories. You know, we all see the viral videos, and it's, it is. It's unacceptable. The perception is that people do not feel safe. Meanwhile, we know that we have barely five crimes reported a day across our transit system, everywhere from Bay Ridge to Baychester. You know, but in people's eyes, perception matters, and that makes an impact in people's lives. New York City Police Department, we've put over 1,000 additional cops in our transit system, not only to, for people to be safe, but to make them feel safe. And that's our cops at our turnstiles, our exits, our platforms, in our trains. And they're not there just to greet trap hangers. They're there to work, making arrests, enforcing the law. As of this morning, said, crime in our transit system is down 12% for the month of September. And, you know, like I said, once again, by means, by no means are we done. Right. You're not taking a victory lap just yet. But, uh, you know, we are seeing the progress. That's what you're talking about right here this morning. I would ask you this. The numbers of cops, Eddie, that's always a conversation I have with people. The Again, this may be perception. I don't think it is. I think it's reality that it's tough to recruit cops these days. I know you're making 55000 you got a raise, but still not nearly enough money. There's no qualified immunity. People are still not nice to the cops. Politicians, quite frankly, are not nice to the cops. 
So it's difficult to to get people to be cops in New York City. Is there truth to that or, or not really? Do you find a lot more folks are, are coming down for that? You know, I think a lot of people realize in the profession of policing, they've experienced a great deal over the last three years. You know, there was a lot of, like you mentioned, scrutiny, criticism. And that pressure can take its toll on people, Sid. You know, for some people, it's just too much. Yeah. And I understand that. But, you know, I think the, uh, fortunately for us, the vast majority of our officers, they stay the course. You know, right now, you look, they have a mayor who supports them. I support them. Our executive staff supports them. And let me tell you, when I go across this neighborhood every single day in New York City, they tell me they want the police. And they want more police. So they're doing an ex- exceptional job, and I thank them for that. No, they are. There's no doubt. So uh, on a day like today, do you, do you find yourself, Eddie, thinking about your dad, maybe take a couple of seconds sitting there at your desk and going back to what it was like? I mean, what, for you, quickly, before I let you go here, what was it like as a kid? Your father, of course, was doing what you're doing now. He wasn't the commissioner. He was a cop. But what was it like as a kid? You know, growing up in the household of five brothers, my dad was out there working every day for us, trying to give us a better life. Not just my dad. You know, I mentioned my dad because he was on the police force. But, you know, I can't thank you. My mother, my mother was the glue to the household. Mm-hmm. She was there for us every single day of five boys, raising five boys, trying to give a better life for us. And I think about both my parents every single day. Well, that's beautiful, Eddie. Well, listen, man, uh, you're a good man. Uh, I, I, and you're the right man for the job. And those numbers do speak well for the job that you're doing. And hopefully the future... For, uh, for New York City. I want to thank you for coming on today. Am I going to see you tomorrow night at Russo's on the Bay with Paul DiGiacomo and those guys for the DEA dinner? Are you going to be there? Yes, I should be there. Oh, good. Perfect. Okay. Well, listen, enjoy your day today. I know you're busy. You always find time for me, Eddie. I really appreciate it. And God bless you, brother. Happy Hispanic Heritage Day. Thank you. I appreciate that, Sid. All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. There he is, the New York Police Commissioner. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He really and He does care about this city. And uh, you got to root for guys like that, you know? Yeah, you can hear it in his voice. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. of course. And he's a Yankee fan like you. Wow. And I'm not even going to hold that against him. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> not with what we're going through. <laughs> well, A-Rod is coming up next. I wonder if A-Rod is going to be honest about the Because, uh, you know, he Cashman got him. Yeah, but why wouldn't st- he be? Because he's probably loyal to those guys. Well, you they're know? not loyal to him. They're not loyal to him? No. They barely let him back into the side. I know. You're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's find out. We're going to find out, baby. We're going to find out. We're going to wrap up our guests on Hispanic Heritage Day with one of the all-time greatest baseball players, certainly a fantastic Yankee. In fact, the last time the Yankees won the World Series was 2009, and what a year that was for Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod on Sid and Friends in the Morning is next.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I think uh, A-Rod used uh, this Prince song for his walk-up music? He used different Prince songs. Different Prince songs? I don't know. I'll, I'll ask him now. It's funny because you talk about Prince. Prince, of course, was from Minneapolis. And you know where Alex Rodriguez is right now? He's in Minnesota because the Blue Jays and Twins start that playoff series today. So we'll find out. 696 home runs later in my lifetime. And if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. Alex Rodriguez is the best shortstop I've ever seen. He was a great player. I mean, offensively, defensively, he's just the best. And I got to know Alex over the years a bit down in Miami, but now he's Joe Tacopina's buddy. They go to hurricane games together. So Tacopina told me I had to do this, actually helped set this up. But after three great Hispanic guests, my former producer down at WQAM in Miami, Victor Bermudez, he's now won four Emmy Awards, Geraldo Rivera, and the New York Police Commissioner, first Latino man ever, Eddie Caban. We go to the man himself, former Yankee great Alex Rodriguez. Hey, Rod, it's Sid in New York. How are you, buddy? Sid, I'm doing great, and great to be on your show. Enjoyed uh, your little uh, Joe Takapina uh, <laughs> when he was out a couple of weeks. You oh, guys were fun together. He is, you know, he got me to Trump, too, so he's got me some decent people so far. But I tell you, he's got great contact. I tell you. He does, yeah. So the last time you're going to love this. The last time you were on the radio with me, you got to go back like 14 years, Alex. And I'm doing a sports show. Now I do politics, but I'm doing a sports show down in Miami at some car dealer on 441. And you're on the air with me. You, you know, you're doing your thing. You're great. And um, <laughs> I bring on Mike Francesa in the middle of the interview to talk with you. You know, but I'm doing the show with the guy who played for the Dolphins. And his name is O.J. McDuffie. And while we're talking, all of a sudden, Francesa and O.J. get into this huge fight on the air because O.J.'s like, Mike, you never played any sport. You shouldn't talk about it. You and I are sitting there speechless, didn't say a word. You handled it great. You remember that, the Francesa-McDuffie fight on the air with you and I? I do, and I remember listening to you and O.J. You guys had a great show. But, yeah, Mike is uh, one of the greatest of all time. You know that in New York, a legend in sports radio with Chris Russo and I've become very friendly with Mike over the years and a big admirer. So that was a kind of a unique situation where you and I were playing referee and on the sidelines. But, <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, O.J. Well, because you're down in Miami. And Mike is a good friend of mine, yeah. as his dog. Dog was on the show just a couple of days yeah. ago, and they're both great baseball ambassadors, Alex. And Dog is a Giants fan, but Mike is a Yankee fan. And uh, I haven't listened to Mike. He's on a podcast now, not radio. But something tells me, Alex, if I was listening to Mike, he would say what Chris Russo said on the show a couple of days ago, which is, I love Brian Cashman. I love him. And he had a great run with the Yankees. But 25 years is too long. No World Series since Alex, 2009, too long. And if he goes, Boone has to go too. Every New York sports guy I speak to, including the two legends you just spoke to, thought the Yankees should fire both Cashman and Boone. I know you love those guys, whatever, but you played with the Yankees. But if you're going to be honest about it, it's kind of a long stay with very little success as of late, no? Yeah, you know, listen, if you want to put Brian Cash in the Hall of Fame, you know, go go for it. But 
25 years is a long time. I, my, my concern, Sid, with anything, as I talk to New York fan base all over the world, is I think they're beginning to lose <clears throat> faith in the organization. And, and you never want a fan base to do that because you rip their heart out. Um, but but I, I think when you look at – I think it's less about the players. <clears throat> Excuse me, Sid. Less about the players and Aaron Boone. I think the architecture of this team is, is flawed. And it's not that they just make mistakes but it's by how far they're making this mistake and how badly they're missing. It's almost like they're playing darts in a dark room. Um, the, the best case I can say to, to prove that is, you know, three, four years ago, Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge was dying for an extension. They say no to Judge, and they, they give the extension to the other Aaron, Aaron Hicks, for seven <laughs> years. They walk out, they release him after five years, and it costs the Yankees an extra $200 million to sign Judge. And many, many other misses with Donaldson. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it'll be really interesting to see how you fix it. But I don't see a quick fix in the next three years. That is excellent analysis. And I love the Judge Hicks stuff, Alex. You're exactly right. So let me take you back to uh, 2004, I guess. So I'm at the fan, and, and I'm doing the sports on I Miss Alex, but I'm doing the midday show. And I'm on right before Mike and the Mad Dog. I was there for five years. I had two separate partners. One was Joe Beningo. I know you know Joe. But when I was on that day in 2004, my partner was uh, Jody McDonald. Maybe 2003, I forget. And that was the day that the Yankees announced you were coming to New York. And I'm watching it on TV. I'm watching Tory. I'm watching Jeter, all these people. And we remarked the whole time about Alex coming to the Yankees. Some guys looked happy. Some, to be honest, Alex, I wasn't so sure. And then, of course, over the years, you and Jeter had this on-and-off relationship. But Jeter comes to Fox and is doing baseball, and in fact, will be doing baseball, I believe, this postseason with you and David Ortiz. So, Peaches and Herb once sang, Alex, reunited, and it feels so good. Is that you and Jeter right now? Well, I'm very excited, and i got to tell you, management came to me and asked me about the possibility of talking to Derek, and uh, I stood up very quickly and said, absolutely, it would be great to be reunited again. I mean, Sid, is almost 20 years. It's scary. Wow. On the 20-year anniversary when I came to be his teammate uh, and moved over to third. And what's ironic is now he's coming to our team and he's got the third corner spot in the <laughs> corner next to Poppy. That's but I think it's going to be great TV. Uh, look, to, to be next to those two guys that collectively have eight ranks between them, uh, arguably the most popular Yankee of all time and Derek Jeter, arguably the most – uh, popular Red Sox of all time, and then you have me. That <laughs> some like me, some don't like me, and uh, but it makes you know for good television. And Kevin Burkhart, who I think is the greatest point he's guard, yep. who does great work at football, and now he's the host of our show. So it's going to be really exciting to to have Derek on. I'm I'm thrilled. Yeah, when I was at the fan, Kevin was still doing the Mets stuff with I think Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez and all those guys. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's a monster star now. And, you know, you're being a little humble about yourself there, Alex. I mean, you know, certainly you had an unbelievable career. I think it should be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a joke. I'm a little tired of all this, all that stuff. I don't care. Had enough of it. It came up again for some reason a couple of weeks ago with you. But um, if, if I was to shoot you up with truth serum right now, because one thing you do very well, Alex, and I give you credit, you're a wonderful speaker. You are. You're great on TV. You know baseball as well as anybody. You could manage a team tomorrow. I'm surprised you haven't already. So if I shot you up with truth serum right now and said, hey, Alex, be honest, are you pissed about the way baseball has treated you, the way fans and writers talk about you with the career that you had? I know you would say yes. No? Well, it's funny. I said, I'm, I'm actually going to start working on my documentary 
and I'll have an opportunity in that forum to speak uh, openly. But look, at the end of the day, Sid, look, I had an incredible career. I'm a kid that came from uh, two immigrant parents, uh, you know, born in New York, raised in Miami. I came up from nothing. Dad left at the age of 10. Along the way, I made some mistakes. I paid dearly for them uh, and then took full accountability. And, uh, you know, I've been able to stand up from taking a, a knockout punch where I think most people would have probably stayed down, and especially yep. with the resources that I've had in my career. So more than anything, look, America is about comebacks. Uh, I, I faced the mirror uh, and uh, paid the penalty. And thank God the last 10 years have, have been the best 10 years of my life. And if I've cost myself the Hall of Fame, I have no one to blame but myself, Sid. But hopefully I can be a, a force of good for the next generation. And hopefully some of the youngsters can avoid some of the mistakes that I've made. God, that is a great message from you, Alex, on this Hispanic heritage. I want to get to your life, too, after baseball, because it's really impressive. But you are in Minnesota today. We have four playoff series that get underway. The Rangers are in Tampa Bay, Toronto and Minnesota. That's your game with my friend Michael Kay. Then you get Arizona and Milwaukee and the Marlins. No Derek Jeter to the playoffs this year in Philly for the Phillies. We know, of course, uh, the Astros and the Orioles get the bye in the American League and the Braves and Dodgers in the NL. And a lot of folks I speak to, Alex, are still picking chalk. They can't see anybody beating Atlanta, especially with Acuna being around for this postseason. So as you get set to call the Jays and Twins today, do you have a team that you think may surprise some people? Maybe that Minnesota Twins team. Yeah, so let, let me give you a couple of data points that are super important. Since the division st- series started 54 years ago, only 14 teams with the best record have gone on to win the World Series. So the Atlanta Braves, while their Goliath is not a guarantee, actually 80% says they won't repeat again. That doesn't mean I, w- I won't bet against Atlanta, but those are the numbers and do with them as you may. As far as the Marlins being in, I don't think as much heat, and it was a bad trade for Cashman, that Cashman got with Stanton because they already had a guy that looked just like him, an Aaron Judge, that was the rookie of the year, was a former, you know, future MVP, and they duplicated that. As much heat as Brian Cashman has gotten, Derek Jeter has not gotten enough credit for unloading that talent and that contract to the Yankees. And then being in the postseason this year, Derek Jeter deserves a lot of credit because he was the architect of a team with very limited resources, the opposite of the New York Yankees. So, you can never bet against Houston. You can never bet against the Braves. But if I had to uh, pick one, I would say don't sleep on the Baltimore Orioles. They have the second-best record in Major League Baseball, the second. And yet they're still looked upon like the Orioles from five years ago. It's true. You're right about that because people just don't realize who they are. A lot of Even the right. staunchest of baseball fans can tell you four guys on the team, and those guys are great, and they do everything well, everything well. You know, one more on baseball, then we'll get to your life after baseball. The Mets uh, really got rid of, they fired Buck Showalter. I know he resigned, but they fired him. So years ago, Alex, when Steve Phillips and the Mets were flirting with you, I remember being on the fan and saying, give him what he wants. He wants airplanes. He wants he wants Staten Island. Give it to him. I don't care. Get <laughs> Alex Rodriguez to the Mets. I'm a Mets fan. I'm not a Yankee fan. And uh, it didn't happen. And uh, I was really upset about it because I thought you could be that guy to turn the Met organization around. I don't know what your relationship has been with the Mets since that Phillips era when he flirted with you, but I got to tell you, I was I was surprised that they got rid of Buck. I know Stearns comes in, he's the new guy, and Cohen wants to give his new baseball man the opportunity to bring in who he wants, but I thought Buck Showalter deserved better than that. What about you? 
First of all, I love Buckshaw Walter. I think he's one of the greatest minds uh, alive in the game of baseball today. Again, much like Aaron Boone, a lot of these things that have nothing to do with X's and O's, it has to do with the architecture of the team, and it always starts at the very top. So I think a little bit uh, of unfortunate situation for Buck. Uh, I think he can be a great advisor for, for an owner anywhere, um, and he's going to be an asset into any room he walks into. Uh, I don't think we can really uh, judge uh, no pun intended, Aaron, uh, Aaron Boone, uh, until he has uh, a team that's, you know, predictable, uh, a lineup that he can throw. I said, I'm so sick of all these different lineups. It's just crazy. I remember when Joe Torre walked into his room and he said, all right, big boy, uh, spring training, I'm going to give you all the flexibility you want. You get whatever you want in spring training. During the season, I get what I want. You're going to be hitting fourth and playing every day at third base. <clears throat> and that gave me a comfort level that's yep. really important. This idea yep. that you can hit clean up one day, first the other, second. It, it, this is not like Nintendo, right? You've got to have <laughs> these humans that, you know, you go to the same show. I know when you do your show, you, you have your own little superstitious. Baseball players are the same way. So I think that's something we got to get back to a little bit. This is Hispanic Heritage Day. We're celebrating it here, uh, Alex. And I spoke to Geraldo Rivera and the first Latino police commissioner. And all this baseball talk is great, but... You said you may have enjoyed the last 10 years more than any other decade in your life. You're in Minnesota today for the Blue Jays and Twins. Most people may not know this about you. You actually own a part of the NBA team in that state. You are part owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I said to Takapino last week, I said, you know, A-Rod, is, he's always been smart and handsome and all these things, you know. I said, but his life after baseball, I said, A-Rod to me is a Latino version of Magic Johnson. Magic has the movie theater, Starbucks. He is a mogul since he left the Lakers. A-Rod is a Latino version of Magic Johnson. Tax said, you know, you're right. So for what it's worth, you're right. You've done your most impressive work, A-Rod, since baseball. You know, Sid, thank you very much. And it's funny you mentioned Magic, who's a great friend and a mentor, and a role model of mine. And I sat with him about 25 years ago, supposed to be a 20 minute meeting. We sat for three hours. I had nine pages of notes and he gave me basically the roadmap to what it is to create what was magic Johnson enterprise that's today, a multi-billion dollar empire. Wow. And I thought I followed those rules right to the T and uh, to this day, he still consults with me a lot. And uh, it's been very, very exciting uh, to be involved in business, to be, uh, a role model. I, I probably mentor, you know, over 30 or 40 professional active athletes in every sport today. And athletes today that are smarter than ever, they're richer than ever, but they don't want to be just ball players. They want to be great at social media, fashion, media, entertainment, podcasting. Uh, the plethora of, of options that these players have today is, is better than none. What they do need is a surrounding people. I always say you're an average of five people you surround yourself with. And and bring be around good people and practice good uh, business practice if they want to be involved. I was just about to ask you. We'll wrap the conversation up here. Like you know, you Hall of Fame baseball player. You know uh, the J Lo stuff. We know, of course, you were so you're on every magazine show every day. You know now you own just about all these things all over the country. But when you were talking just now, and you talked about mentoring young people and five people in your life that could help you, I said to myself, I'm not sure if. Alex does motivational speaking, but you can you can certainly do that. You're like Tony Robbins. I said, so what is it that Alex hasn't done, that he hasn't done, that's on his bucket list to do sometime in the near future? 
Well, look, I mean, it is Hispanic uh, Heritage Month, Sid, and, and, you know, for me, you know, one of the things that I look forward to, I mean, the, the U.S. economy, we, we the Latinos, represent over a trillion dollars uh, of spending in the U.S. economy. Um, but there's still a lot of work to do. When you look at the Fortune 500 companies, there's only 20 CEOs. And while 20 sounds like a big number, is not, you know, cohesive with the amount of Latinos there is. It's like a rocket ship as far as the growth, uh, the influence, and we have to close the gap between boardrooms and the labor force. And hopefully I can be an advocate for uh, the great Hispanic people all over. And it's not just enough that I'm in the boardroom, but I have to keep those, that door open for other men and women and everybody to come in and participate and learn and, and cultivate. And, and that's what I'm excited about. The second part is the most important role in my life Sid, is being a father. I have an 18-year-old daughter that I just dropped off at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor last month. Uh, she's doing wow. fantastic. I'm a, I'm a depressed mess. <laughs> I miss her at dinner every night. Uh, and I have a sophomore that's at Gulliver High School in uh, Miami. And, uh, yep, again, yep. we talk about all the issues in this country. I'm a big believer that it starts at home. It starts at the breakfast table, at the dinner table, putting the phones away, having an old-school conversation, making eye contact. And, and that's where if America focuses on home first, I think we'll be a much better country as well. My sister went to Michigan when Glenn Rice and the Wolverines beat Seton Hall to win the NCAA basketball championship. I was there for that. Glenn Rice is still a dear friend of mine today. And Glenn, of course, is a Miami guy like you, Alex, and played all those great years for the Miami Heat down there. So I get all that. My daughter's in college in Europe, too, so I get all that. And I know Gulliver very well, living in Boca Raton for 16 years and doing a ton of shows in Fort Lauderdale and Miami. So on the way out, just tell me this. What was your childhood like where did you grow up, the whole family experience? Because somewhere right now, there's a young Latino child going, hey, I want to be Alex, and I'm in this situation, which could be good or bad. What was it like for Alex Rodriguez as a kid? Well, Sid, I remember growing up, uh, born in New York, raised in Miami. My, my father left when I was 10. I'll never forget um, my mother having to take on two jobs uh, with my two older siblings, and my mom was a secretary in the morning. She served tables at night right there in Latin America on 107 in Coral Way, uh, right by uh, Tamiami, where yeah. I played a little bit of, uh, you know, Little League Baseball. And I remember going into a supermarket and seeing uh, some cash when we had to pay out, and it wasn't green money. It was a funny color. And I knew that was different. And it was food stamps. And that was a day, Sid, when I was about 12 years old that wow. I said, oh, my gosh. I better get going. I got to take care of mama. And uh, I made a promise to myself that if I ever made enough money, uh, she'll never work a day in her life. That was my job and my mission in life. And thank goodness uh, the Mariners came calling when I was 17. I was in the big leagues at 18. And she's 87 today, doing better than ever. Uh-huh. And has never worked a day in her life after I uh, signed that contract with the Mariners in 1993. Look at, Look at you. How could you not love you, by the way, Alex? How could you not? Does she live in Miami, too? Is she down there? Plenty don't. She's in Miami, and uh, and she's doing fantastic. She's a force of nature. I do want to end with one little story because I didn't answer your question. Uh, and I apologize for that. Is uh, I, in my childhood, I was a great, big, big Mets fan. And of course, you remember '86, yep. Doc and you know Strawberry and uh, Carter and Hernandez. That was a great legendary team. Of course, WOR. I used to watch every game at night. Uh, you know, listening to Ralph Kiner and Kiner's Corner and Tim McCarver. Uh, doing color, and I remember going back to the Fred Wilpon and Steve Phillips 
who I've become friendly with since, and both are really classy people. Um, I remember meeting with Scott Borsch the day before, and I said, now, Scott, listen to me and listen to me clearly. I will take a 50% haircut to go play for the New York Mets because, of course, I grew up watching Magic and Bird, and I thought me in New York, they would just got beat in the 2000 World Series. They have Jeter. I can be the final piece to join Piazza and oh. Olaruda and Ventura. Oh. And I thought that was a perfect match. And I said to Scott, I'm going to take a 50% haircut to go play for the Mets because I want to go to, you know, Shea Stadium and be that guy. And the next day in the paper, I wake up that I want airplanes. I know. I want concessions. <laughs> and I want $300 million. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is a bad nightmare. I said the exact opposite. I believe you. But that's why I said give me the airplanes. But I believe you. Uh, and I know you would have been great, and that would have been great. You with Mike and Edgardo and John, and you up against Jeter instead of playing with Jeter would have been amazing. But look, God has a plan. It all worked out. You got to be a Yankee. I know of all the stops you had: Seattle, Texas. That the Bronx had to be your favorite. You won a World Series here, and you're forever a part of uh, New York lore, which is a uh, a very very big deal. And you're a super guy. And I really appreciate you doing this, Alex. It was a great conversation. God bless you. Continued success. Let's talk again very soon. Enjoy the game today in Minnesota. Thank you very much. Sid, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of all your work. And maybe next time I come to the studio, we do a full 30 minutes. <laughs> I would love that. I'm serious. When you come to New York, please, let's do that. Okay, buddy? You got it. Take care, Sid. Be well. Enjoy the game. You too. That's Alex Rodriguez, folks. You got to love him. I'm sorry. Even Lou's smiling. You gotta love him. You better get a cot or some medication for Justin. That day. <laughs> I know, he Justin. Was... Justin Trump called here two weeks ago. Trump was on my show two weeks ago. He wasn't even nervous. He's waiting for Alex to call the studios. He's trembling. No, he goes like this. No. So what do I, what do I say first? <laughs> so I say, Mister. Do I say, Hi, Hey, Abraham. well, what? Did, how, how did you uh, say hello to Alex? Uh, what did I say to him? Did, that, did you say Alex? Did you say Mr. Rodriguez? I, I kind of went back and forth. I, I didn't, couldn't really quite decide. I, I decided, I, I, so I called him Alex one time and then I called him Mr. Rodriguez. Yeah. But then afterward I was like, why wouldn't I just call him A-Rod? Right. They, they right. gave him that Sure. Name. Right. Cause you, you know? guys are that close. Man. Right. Well, right. he asked me my name and I said, well, sir. Yeah. I, and then I called him sir a couple of times. Yes, I was like, sir. where am I? Like England? Am I, am I, in, the, am I in the United Kingdom? But whatever oh, he God. does, about five minutes while you're talking to him during the interview, you, this is what I hear. I'm working over here, and I hear Justin going, I, I can't believe I just said it like that. I can't believe I called. What I, Mr. Rodriguez, what, what's wrong with me? What's, just yeah. muttering to yeah. himself. I wish we had tape of the actual uh, phone call before. He was a great guest, an amazing guest. Yeah. You were nervous. You're a Yankee fan. You love Alex, huh? I listened. Alex came here. He won two MVPs. Won a He's calling series. you back right now. I swear to God. Oh, my God. No That's Al- I swear to God. Oh it's God. Alex Rodriguez. It's He's calling back. Oh, my God. Oh, my oh, God. No. Justin will be incapacitated <laughs> for the next few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. What's he going to say? Now he's Alex. Now they're buddies. You know, now. Hey, Alex. How are you, man? Hey. I got to hear about this. Let's take a quick break and find out why Alex is calling. Traffic. He wants to come back on, Alex? Yeah. Why not? No, no. Does he really? Is that why you called back? I don't know. Let's see. Oh, no, never mind. Oh, okay. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, Benjamin Orr, stay the night. I'm getting a ton of messages. John Kay was my favorite. He's like, Howard, who? You are the best interviewer. That was amazing with Stern. But everybody uh, with us, Stern. 
with A-Rod, but everybody loved it. One of them better be a doctor. Yeah, no. For that Justin. Justin's a mess. So, he's sweating he's like he's And I found out why A-Rod called back, because yeah. A-Rod texted Tacopina <laughs> in like 30 seconds. He goes, man, that was a fun show. Sid was great, blah, blah, blah. Can you please send me the link to the interview, A-Rod, because he wants to put it on his social media. So he was calling back to tell Justin... To send him the link, and Justin put him on the air, and he I hung thought, up. Because I thought he wanted to befriend me. He thought he wanted to be friends with you. I thought he, heard, I thought he heard me praising him, and he wanted to say, listen. <laughs> Don't laugh. I actually thought that was doing. He'd come back and say, hey, he's a good kid. I thought I he like was going yeah. to. Noam was joking. Hey, why don't you come on down and watch me do the World <laughs> Series? I'll get you two tickets. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, Noam. Bastard. Anyway, get me the damn link, Takapina and A-Rod wanted. We're done for today. <laughs> want to thank all of our guests, John Katz, Matides, Rapio, Toro, Curtis Sliwa, Victor Bermudez, Geraldo Rivera, Bill O'Reilly, Commissioner Eddie Caban, and Alex Rodriguez. We'll be back for a Wednesday show, as Gene would say, God willing, at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Until then, from all of us on Sitting Friends in the Morning, to all of you, peace! Over and over again